What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life in Alaska. Welcome back, everybody. It's 2022. It's a new year and a new episode. It's going to be a good time. First, answer a listener question, Jay down in California. Uh, he's looking to put a rifle scope on a new rifle, primarily for hog hunting and hunting uh, Columbia blacktail deer inside of 200 yards. Uh, I would definitely go with, uh, you're kind of looking at the Loophole VX series and then the uh, Vortex Diamondback series. Uh, kind of depending on what you're going to use that gun for, if it's just going to be something that you're going to have in the gun Gun case, uh, taking care of it, not beating it around. Uh, the Loophole series is awesome. Great glass. They have uh, custom uh, custom cut dial turrets you can throw on there. Uh, a little more expensive. Great scopes. Uh, I put one on the rifle I built for my girlfriend last year, the VX3i, before they moved to the VXHD line. Awesome. Awesome scope can handle just about anything uh if you're looking for something a little cheaper a little lower price point something you can kind of beat up a little bit more but still dynamite quality that vortex line is awesome the diamondback series you get a lot of performance out of them at a lot lower price point and you get the lifetime vortex warranty which is super nice um so it just kind of goes down to what you want to what you want for that specific gun if it's something you're trying to keep the price point down not worried about weight necessarily or top tier glass quality i'd definitely go with that vortex diamondback line you can't go wrong with it i do like a 4 to 12 or if they have their 4 to 16 you'll get more than what you want out of that for that 308 you're looking at um the vx3i line or the vx5 vx6 any of those are awesome you're going to be paying a little more especially for the vx5 vx6 but what you were kind of talking about that vx3 line would be perfect if you're willing to spend a couple extra hundred dollars you're not going to have that warranty but they're pretty bulletproof scopes you can't go wrong with them so now on to today's episode. To my right, I have our C-O-H-O-S-T, Sean Love, and our guest today, longtime friend of mine, local firefighter hero, Jacob Richter. How's it going, guys? I was about to ask what C-O-H-O-S-T stood for. Hey, I see. Uh, <laughs> I can spell sometimes. I forgot a... Hyphen, dash, whatever those thingies are called. Oh, no. Ah. <laughs> no, how's it going, guys? Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Did we get their jokes out of the way? Oh, yeah. Y'all y'all get your uh, vision boards out and do your uh, whole uh, New Year, New Me, uh, changing lifestyles. Uh. That was last year, me. <laughs> I didn't even try this year. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even I didn't even joke with myself, which is kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, it's it's still COVID. I'm not gonna joke myself into thinking I'm gonna get a six pack this year. Yeah, that's fair. Got myself a failure. Oh. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I uh, I tried to be proactive. Uh, new year, new me. Went and bought some uh, home gym equipment, and uh, we've used it once. We're we're off to a hot start. So <laughs> no, we're I'm not doing any any New Year's resolutions. Just trying to like always be a little bit of better of a person. Absolutely. All we can all we can ask for in life, but and hopefully lose a pound or two, get get in shape for uh, this upcoming uh, hunting season and just yeah. life, and yeah. not be a, 
a tub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Draw some goat tags and hopefully don't die. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more worried about like, getting the whole getting out of bed and getting winded, getting dressed. That's oh, that's step one. So. Yeah. So, Jake, uh, wanted to have you on. You're kind of a, a half-breed like the rest of us uh, and uh, transplant and wanted to get you on, kind of give us a rundown of yourself, and then we'll hop into kind of the role you play in this community and how amazing you do for this. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're coming. I hope you're not going to play this hero trope the entire, the entire time. I, I just do, had to. I had to get I, it out there to start. You I know. don't do anything. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, uh, yeah, like I put out two uh, two fires in two my two whole fires. Yeah, really, really leading the edge. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you for coming. It was kind of a last minute deal. We had a a different different guest planned for today, but due to some uh, unforeseen. F- circumstances he couldn't make it today and i, I hit you up i was like hey what what are you doing you working today oh, you cool. saving lives i, did, I didn't know i was the second choice now but now i do so that's, that's awesome hey you're yeah, the yeah. second choice but you're the first real guest on the show so that's true actually about. that's true yeah sean's technically a co-host didn't count. Yeah, i'm not a guest at all <laughs> no exactly so i wanted to get you on because you know I was, i'm comfortable talking with you we've been friends for a pretty good time but uh just like, you know, everybody nowadays, it's, you know, life's fast. We all got stuff going on. We never get to sit down and catch up as much as we should and figured get you on. Tell your story about how you ended up in Alaska, why you stayed here, and uh, pick up from there. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what it was like uh, moving up here and going through that whole shebang. Yeah, so I was, I was born in Connecticut, and I lived on the East Coast for the first 10 years of my life. Um. And I lived on a farm for a while there. We were living the farm life. I had cows originally, and then I got the shit kicked out of me by a cow. And then we switched over to llamas, <laughs> which wasn't much better, actually. Uh, but then that, that kind of lasted and fizzled out because you can't make a whole lot of money farming unless you do it real commercially. And so we, we ended up moving around. My parents did um, travel medicine, so I moved to Arizona, lived in Baltimore for a little stint there. And then when I was in middle school, I lived in Arizona, and then... Um, after that, middle school, high school, I moved to Glen Allen for like a summer, and I was like, "This is my life. I'm gonna live in Glen Allen." I bought a bow. I was like 14, and I bought a bow for like 100 bucks. That bow subsequently exploded in my father's hands, and then uh, we decided we're not gonna live in Glen Allen as well. And so my whole, I, I, I was fully prepared to live like this life, like like just true, true Alaskan style, just just hunting for my own food and stuff. And then it ended up uh, ended up turning into me moving to Homer. <sighs> For, for the the rest of my life <laughs> to live the live the cushy Alaska life. It was so sad. I you know it, everyone has a story of like going over the hill and and seeing the mountains and be like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. It was raining when I moved here the first time I saw it. I didn't see the mountains or anything like that. I was like I was like almost in tears. My whole dream was killed. I, I was no longer living in a cabin in the interior. I was living in a, basically Seattle. <laughs> it was just small shitty Seattle. But, and then, uh, and then I ended up liking it. I went to high school here for a little bit, and then a little bit the whole time. I went to high school here for the whole time, four years. It <laughs> seems like it was short. Um, and I uh, went to college at Fairbanks. Hated that. I, I don't like Fairbanks. No offense to anybody who's listening from Fairbanks. It, your town sucks. It's just brutal. <laughs> uh, went back to went back to Homer. Became a EMT. Moved to Montana for a little bit there. Uh, enjoyed that, but couldn't stay. Came back to Homer and got a job. 
Awesome. That's that's the really short version of my life. But yeah, I was like, we can just end the podcast that's right really, now. <laughs> that, that's really it. I got that thing down to like a down to like a ten minute spiel. Yeah, down to a science. So yeah. uh, we'll we'll kind of circle back and pick pick apart a little bit of that. Uh, so what? How old were you when you moved into Glen Allen up there? So I was twenty twelve. I was four, 14. Don't do the math on that. <laughs> I, I'm a child. Yeah. I'm a child. We're all children I think, here. I think I was 13 yeah. or 14. I can't remember. I was, was too too young to be smarter than that. Yeah. I lived in Glen Allen. And we also had, I mean, we have a friend that lived in Glen Allen too. And my God, it, it's there's nothing there. There's still nothing there. I've been there recently. It was, I don't know what I saw, but I was like, this is it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. The internet's good. I can play video games and, 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 and bow hunt. <laughs> A kid from Arizona with no experience bow hunting. I was, I was going to do it. <laughs> nah, that's that'd be a sight to see Jake Richter out there with a, you know, brand new recurve bow. Oh, it was compound. In the wilderness. It was, it was oh, the oh, whole thing. That's why it exploded okay. in my dad's hands. I was so I was very grateful it was him though because he was trying to show off. <laughs> <laughs> a little, that's, what you, that's what you get. <laughs> a little backwards justice there. Yeah. No. So. When you were in Glen Allen, do you were you said you were there for a summer? Did you spend any time in school there? Or? I, I actually so I caught the very end of the school year, and it was of course my first year in high school, so it was a little nerve wracking. Uh, and so I actually w- was not a freshman in high school; I was still technically a fucking eighth grader. Um, but I went into the the classes there, and it was actually a pretty big school. I'm, I was impressed. And there's Glen Allen's actually a pretty. It was a neat little community, I will say, and they were all really cool. I was really into it. I was like the tallest kid in the school for a little bit there, so they were, the basketball coach wanted to pick me up, which is the stupidest way of picking up <laughs> basketball players. I'm horrible. Uh, hey, you're tall, bud. Yeah, hey, you're Come tall. On. You can you can basically dunk. Like, no, nah, <laughs> we're, we're we're in regulation league now, but like, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't jump more than two inches. But anyway, yeah, I, I had big dreams. It was a pretty cool school there for a little bit, and so I um, I checked it out. I was fell in love with that, and then that dream was also subsequently killed. And I went to Homer. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so you spent all of high school down in Homer, and uh, what was what was the biggest difference from growing up on the East Coast? You said you traveled around a bit, uh, but I'm, I'm sure y'all had a fairly simple because you're from originally Vermont, correct? Yeah, home of maple syrup, and oh yeah, I think that's about it. I think Joe Biden's from. From no, Vermont. no, you're no, thinking kinda. of uh, you're thinking of oh Bernie Sanders. Bernie oh, Sanders yeah. is from Vermont. That's right. My mom cleaned his teeth. Actually, apparently, he kind of stinks. Uh, <laughs> stinky guy. He's really cool. Apparently, he's just a little stinky. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the man. The man's closing in on eighty. I'm sure. Every, I don't. I don't blame every him. elderly he yeah. gets a little a yeah, little stank. Old but, man funk. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> no, so I'm sure y'all get about the same kind of. Similar climate, I should say. We definitely get a little colder up here, but I'm sure y'all get some snow. And it's so know. much more humid in Vermont, though. I will say the snow, the snow accumulation is about the same, but it's so humid in the East Coast. And I forgot about it until I traveled back there recently. Mm-hmm. It's just damp. <laughs> it's yeah. damp. It's damp, and really, I mean, of course, it's way more. I was gonna say culture. That's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's a lot more people there. There's a lot yeah. more people there. So there's a lot more civilization, and I mean. The fishing's different too. That's for well, sure. That's worth. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good, brother. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You, you, and your girlfriend went back this summer, correct? For yeah, ten we, days we did or the so. Whole East Coast, we rode. Oh, really? It. Well, I should I shouldn't say the whole East Coast. We went from um, Hartford, Connecticut. We went to Rhode Island, then Massachusetts, obviously New Hampshire, Vermont, and then back down through. And I don't think we passed through New York, but we ended up doing this big loop because I have family all up and down that area. 
Oh, nice. So What'd been, you do with the rest of your day? Because that's about a three-hour drive now. Yeah, we, we, drove, like, we probably drove an hour, an hour and a half a day, which was still a shocker because you just pass through towns, and they all have the same last last four letters. It's like Borough or Dale or some crap like that. And then uh, it, it was cool. It was like it was like seeing old country uh, America where it's just like you have the old buildings and the – like the Hogwarts style castles, like for Harvard and stuff like that. It was crazy. I was, I was annoyed. It, it was just humid. That was the only weird thing about it. Yeah. I hated the humidity. Just no. stick to everything. No, that'd be yeah. cool. That's something I need to do at some point. I've never, never done the East coast. I'd like to go up to like Maine when they do like kind of their lobster fest type of stuff. That'd Somewhere. be cool. If you want to see the Eastern version of, uh, of Homer, Alaska and Maine's where you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't know. There's just, I feel like the Northeast kind of new England area just kind of, I mean, I'm completely speaking out of my ass, never been there, but it just seems <laughs> congested and yeah. seems like a lot of people in a very little space, and that's never been my cup of tea. I don't mind it. You know, there's beauty in everything, and I'm sure there's tons of cool, uh, I'm sure that, like, historical aspect of that part of the nation's just crazy. It's I'd really love. cool, I, I gotta say, and especially, like, going off, I used to live up on Derby, Derby Line for a little bit there, and um, it's a border town between... Uh, Oh, God. Montreal, Ontario. Ontario is the province, right? Ontario. The French Canada. It was on the border uh, of French Canada. Quebec. Quebec. Yeah. Quebec. Huh. Uh, <laughs> see, I don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> and that was pretty sweet. You're getting to see all that, all the history behind that and the French colonies and the English ones. No, oh, that'd be yeah. super neat. I'd, I'd love to go see the, you know, do that kind of deal. Go down the coast and do all the historical stuff. And I'm sure there's some great, you know, great food along the way. Oh yeah, the whole way. And oh yeah, no, that'd be fun because that's that's about the one part of the country I haven't been. Kind of there, and then the what would you call the Appalachian floodplain area, like the oh, Ohio. Oh man, that's area. so cool too. They, yeah. I mean that that the Appalachians, the Appalachians. Yeah, I'm talking on my ass too. Yeah, <laughs> that whole area is pretty neat because it's just full of like outdoorsy people. I mean, you got the Appalachian Trail which is a whole breed of its own of the people who do the through hiking and all that stuff. But there's just so much stuff along the way of that trail that it's just a lot of, a lot of sightseeing tours, a lot of, um, a lot of rivers too, mm-hmm. a lot of watersheds. There is a, there is a water trail that goes from the mountains in New York all the way across the border into Canada. And I think it's like, I think you have to do 50 miles total of walking. So you have to pack, pack raft it or just carry your canoe. But it's, I've, I've always, I've thought about it. I probably <laughs> never do it, but it's pretty neat. No, that, that'd be really cool. There, there's a bunch of those like trails, especially the through hiking trails that I love to do. It's just one of those things that like you almost need three different lifetimes to oh, accomplish yeah. all the hobbies you wish you could do. But like the AT would be really cool. There's, yeah. I mean, spend three months just hiking, just going, hiking half the country. No, that'd be, that'd be crazy. But how was your time? Cause I know once, uh, once you graduated high school, we were in the same graduating class, and you headed up to Fairbanks for a while. What were you studying up there when you were up there? So I, I was I was originally <laughs> a psychology major, just like about half the people that go into college, because um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, and that was fun. I actually really enjoyed that. The people there were really sweet and studying psychology in uh, what is basically a social experiment uh, college. There, at least, uh, it it was it was cool. It was a neat little environment to work in but then i switched over to writing because i figured that would be more fun i don't know i had a little writing kick there i thought i'd be a good writer and the writing college up there was pretty sweet too um <laughs> and that didn't work out obviously here i am um but that's really about it i mean psychology writing i wanted to be a neuroscientist neuro neurosurgeon more specifically but there was no programs up there for that and i uh, wasn't i guess not smart enough for it 
<laughs> and I, you know, you have to finish college too, to do that. And I, I lasted all of about a year doing all that. And I just, it just didn't work out. Yeah. But, hey brother, I get it. No, there's just no way. I mean, I mean, I could talk on Fairbanks all, all, all day long. I don't know how the hell people live up there. It's just, it's like living in a submarine <laughs> and just the, 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 like, just it, you have to be there to do it. But like it, if you just sat there for one winter and you just watched that sunrise and there's, there's the, uh, you don't really realize it until you see it, but there's a, a mountain range way off in the distance. And there's like a week out of the year, maybe like two weeks out of the year, where that sun just like comes up at like, I don't know, like 1030. And it's like sunrise and you're sitting there and it's like the deepest sunrise you've ever seen. Like there's so little light. And then you just see the sun right there and you see the mountain range because the sun's behind it. And then it just goes away and you just no <laughs> i because the college is on a hill and I would, I would watch that i'd watch that shit from the second story of like a study hall and i just be like oh my god this is the worst i can't be here anymore <laughs> and then you go home for the summertime i fairbanks is its own thing in the summertime when it's hot and it's bright all the time and, and people from fairbanks i swear to god they do hibernate in the winter and in the summertime they just work and party the entire time it's crazy um I couldn't do that either, but like the summertime's got mosquitoes, it's got heat. I just would not be into it. So you go enjoy your summertime somewhere else, and then you go back to depression land. <laughs> the rest of the year, it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a good place to you know pick up a psychology major though, because I'm sure you could the, learn a lot about yourself oh, through those. The <laughs> arts program, the arts program was amazing. There's so many tortured people there. <laughs> it was so good. There was like every week a new exhibition inside 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 that like I can't remember the arts hall or whatever. It was yeah, that was pretty cool. I will say, you just see people because you walk past the workshops and there'd be um, there'd be like windows and stuff like that, and you see people just going ham on whatever they're doing because you know there's that so much torture up in their head. <laughs> they're just, they're just cre- cleaning it out. And the other thing about the college too is because you don't have to worry about sunlight. Like sunlight's not really a thing. You don't have to worry about it. They build so much of their college underground, and and that's also it's a mining college. So I guess it may, maybe makes sense like a mining engineering college. But like they have, I think it's three stories down. The library goes. That there's a level of silence there that I I tried studying down there just as a social experiment and it was brutal. <laughs> no, that's I, I was like I'm 30 feet in the ground right now. This is <laughs> can't focus. I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah, no kidding for sure. That's crazy. No, I've only spent a little bit of time up in Fairbanks a few trips through and it's pretty, but it's eh, a lot of trees. There's no ocean up there, which always bums me out. I'm definitely a, a water child. I love love being on the water whenever I can and I couldn't imagine, you know, every time I'd been up there is, you know, summer or fall and so plenty of daylight and I couldn't imagine just how long those winters get, especially cuz it gets brutally cold. They have oh, some of the so cold. Some of the most volatile, you know, temperature swings in the world be 90 degrees in the summer and negative a thousand degrees in the winter <laughs> I, I, I felt negative 50 and that was it was just insane that i lost 10 pounds going to college i was only spent a semester in fairbanks i spent the other semester in homework because I, I had to get out uh, i spent a semester in fairbanks and i lost 10 pounds because i just didn't want to go to the to, to the food hall yeah i didn't want to walk the 100 yards to <laughs> get food so i ate subway because there's a subway inside of our, our dorm like hall and I ate that until I ran out of what they called like munch money. I think it was. And yeah. It's the money they give you to to spend. It's your own money they give back to you. It's, it was a ripoff. <laughs> I don't like colleges anymore. That's why I dropped out. But it was a ripoff because I ran out of that. And they're like, you have to eat the college food now. You have to use your lunch ticket. And they would give you like freaking pig artery. Like they're because because everything is reliant on food getting there. And if you miss like one one shipment, I remember there was a uh, a ferry that missed its shipment in Anchorage. 
And we ran out of milk. Like, we had no milk anymore, and I ate pig artery. I have a picture on my phone of a pig artery. Like, 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 like it was like this fat pig aorta that they handed me, and they said, yeah, this is worth $10. Uh, uh, they, they eat better in Antarctica. <laughs> That's rough, no. We definitely didn't have it that bad at my school, but there was times we, I mean, for a, for a private college and, you know, the nice money we were spending, our calf was atrocious. Like, they, <laughs> what, they what they would pass by for, and I mean, coming from a pretty humbled background, like, I'm not picky. I was, you know, I had no issue with it. But when you'd see the corn dogs from the day before just cut open and, like, filled with like relish and bell peppers and they oh. i don't even know what they you, they give it some name or something i was like no you're just using the leftovers from yesterday <laughs> and i was like which i'm fine with leftovers whatever i'm paying like thirty six thousand a year and this is you know and you do the math too and she's like they're, they're they're equating that to like a like a 13 dollar meal yeah. i'm like no no way there's just learn how to cook learn how to cook for yourself <laughs> and you can't cook in your dorms which i guess it makes sense but they gotta hang out with the freaking crazies down in the, in the, the main hall <laughs> where your one shared oven is i watched like, a guy butcher a squirrel <laughs> I swear to God, I watched this guy butcher, and I was friends with him too. He's from Nome, and I I, I believe it. Like, like I believe all the stuff he told me about Nome. But he he, I watched him butcher this squirrel and eat it in the chow in, in like the like the cooking area of our dorm. And we were supposed to be in like the smart people dorm, <laughs> psychology major. Yeah, right? I know. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this guy's a fucking animal. Yeah, he, was, he was he was sick. <laughs> Oh, good auto though. That's that's the Fairbanks way right there. I know. I, I, my first question was, where do you get the squirrel from? It's <laughs> cold as shit outside. <laughs> we haven't seen the sun in months, and so you got a fucking I, squirrel. Where'd you tag a squirrel from? <laughs> yeah, you'd find like uh, this is funnier too. I find like twenty two shells outside, like inside. Like there's like a one little scrubland that you can like take paths to to your uh, your classes. I find like twenty two shells. I'm like, that's that motherfucker. He's <laughs> <laughs> out here hunting. All the campus green. He's got like he's got like camo. He's watching me right now or some shit. He's got like a hundred yards worth of woods, and he's making the best of it. Oh, that's funny. That reminds me of a. Uh, we were. It was like my junior year of not no sophomore year of college, but I had a nice uh, upland game bird hunting shotgun that I was given for my uh, high school graduation from my uncle, and I kept it in my buddy's car because we weren't allowed to keep our you know guns in our dorm or nothing like that and i was like oh yeah i'll just keep it in the case in his car that you know it'd be fine over the winter till you know we get out and do some shooting next spring <clears throat> didn't do any uh you know brain thinking of you know car gets cold you turn on the car car gets warm moisture's got to go somewhere right well it went into my shock <laughs> all the moisture of the vehicle so you know check on my I think we went to go trap shoot or something, open that case, and my brand new Browning shotgun is just tip to tail covered in rust, just mm. deep in rust. I was like, oh, okay, this isn't good. And I was like, I need to clean this. I have nowhere to clean it. It's like negative 20 outside. So I was like, I got to sneak this into the, you know, into the dorm. You know? So I was like, this will be smart. You know, take, you know, field dress my gun, take the stock from barrel off everything i've got no i'm like how am i gonna get this in i was like stuff you know the barrel my shotgun and my sweatpants i've got a stock of a shotgun sticking out of this backpack i was like i just gotta get to my room (laughs) you know i was going to scan in uh 
And our like security guy comes to the door and I was like, no, no, don't pay attention. No yeah. big deal. Just yeah. a big brown <laughs> stick sticking out of my backpack. <laughs> don't you know, opens the door. I was like, oh, hi, Smeezy. Gotta go. Gotta run. <laughs> get into my dorm room six hours later, get it all put back together and cleaned up, taken care of. But yeah, I was like, ah, here we go. School shooter. Here we go. <laughs> no. I mean, that was my favorite part about college is having to hide stuff from people. It's yeah. just, it's just, it, it was all the responsibility of being an adult, but at the same time people would treat you like kids. And so there was just a little bit, it was, it was fun cause it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was just simple things, it was just fun. Yeah. No. And then once you, uh, once you drop, don't want to use the term dropped out, but once you left school, I dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving you the benefit. No, of I, 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 I gave up. I quit. No. But once you uh, once you left school, you headed down to. Did you come back to Homer for a while, so or I, I came back to Homer to defer my loans because what they don't tell you is that once you get that loan, you can defer it for as long as you're taking a certain amount of credits. And so I came down to Homer with my now ex girlfriend, and I took a writing class because I was still believing in that, <laughs> and uh, and I took an EMT class which was worth twelve credits. So I needed fifteen credits to to keep to defer my loans, and I was like. <laughs> That's a steal. And so I, I had probably the greatest semester of my life just living in a cabin taking two classes. <laughs> it was it was sweet. Um and so I, I took the I took the writing class and that was no biggie. And then I took the EMT class and I was like, This is pretty cool. Like I could do this. And so I, I kept do, going after it and I kept volunteering after that and then I, I was very quickly running out of time and money. And I was like, Well, I my brother did this thing where he goes to college. And they house him and all this stuff in a fire department. And I was, I was like, if he's, as long as you volunteer as a firefighter, obviously you have to work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could do that. And so I, I literally broke open a list, and I found the first one that was on there, and I called them. And then it turned out to be the one that I went to. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was in Montana. It was in Frenchtown, Montana. And um, it was pretty sweet, I will say. So I ended up going down there. I could not defer my loans, as I found out. I thought I could. But it needs to be an accredited institution, so I ended up having to find find five thousand dollars throughout time, and didn't realize that this is an unpaid residency firefighting, um, and so they were not going to pay me, and I would not have time to be paid. And so I ended up working um, jobs while in the summertime. I was a wildland firefighter. I do fuel mitigation, all stuff for the department, and they pay me like fifteen bucks an hour after two years. I think I paid twelve bucks an hour at first, and I would like live off this like eight grand throughout the winter because I'd have to pay rent or anything like that, and they'd feed me sometimes. And that's just how I made it work. Um, I just got on a tangent there, but anyway, yes, yeah, so I went to Montana. <laughs> no, <laughs> no you're, that was awesome. That's exactly yeah. what I was hoping for. Yeah, so I ended up going to Montana and doing this thing as a residency program. So yeah, I, I basically lived in a fire station. There was two other satellite stations that were manned, and it was me and a bunch of other like eighteen through twenty five year olds, I think. And we would were learning to be firefighters. I was already an EMT, so I was able to get started pretty quickly. And I was already running in an ambulance, and everybody else was running as like fired candidates and all of this stuff like that and then so the first theory what you do is you do uh, two shifts on at the main station and you run night calls and then two shifts off which you go to your satellite station to live but you are still expected to run and so i kind of just ran all the time and it was just you just lived eating ate and breathed 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 <laughs> firefighting and then the idea was that by the end of your two years you were going to be candidate like hireable at a major department so you go to like cincinnati fire or like uh, chicago whatever that's awesome so it's just kind of like uh a very formal, almost like journeymanship. It's like, a, like it's like an apprenticeship. It's like an apprenticeship, but everyone had to be involved because you can't be a solo firefighter. Yeah, no, which makes sense. Yeah, it was cool. It was hard. It was like the hard. It was hard. The hardest thing I've ever done. I'll be honest. I still have a lot of stories from it. 
it was without question the hardest thing I've ever done and probably still will remain to be the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, Just the whole, the whole time that spent there, just just the the whole process, just the workload, the workload was impossible. I mean, like it was just like your summers were spent, you'd work the daytime and then you would work the night shift as a firefighter, you work the daytime as I was a wildland firefighter doing fuel mitigation and whatever. And then uh, you work the nighttime as a firefighter EMT. And then if you got calls at night, they wouldn't give you the day off in the day or very rarely they'd give you the day off in the day. And so you just wouldn't sleep. And then you'd spend your whole summer doing that, getting paid like 12 bucks an hour. And then in the wintertime, you'd get your two days off, but you were still highly expected to, re- to respond because nobody else was responding. And so you basically spent all your... The only time you could be off is if you were 21 and you were drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the only time you could be off. And so if you joined like at 18, you're screwed. Like you're, yeah. not, you're never going to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, it was just hard. You know, you also have to, yell, also have to interface with 18-year-olds and it's a massive culture change. I mean, it's, it truly was a lifestyle. And so going from being... 18, 19 to like doing things that you, you never expect anybody to do and just yeah. see things that you never expect anybody to see. It, it was, it was, it was neat, but it was definitely also a relationship with other people that I've never had before. Oh, I, I can only imagine because I mean, especially, you know, I had a similar, you know, similar situation with football, but nowhere near, like I'm never going to even come close to comparing to that, but just like being at that age at like, you know, 18 to 20 where, you know, you're seen as an adult, but you're still barely know who you are yourself. And you've, you know, especially just simple things like being able to diffuse a situation, you know, an argument or being able to communicate with somebody your own age and such, especially such stressful circumstances that y'all were like, you know, thrown into like, that's just a different type of different type of stress that you can't really get or understand until you I don't deal think, with it. I don't think all the stress was necessarily required. I think they put a lot of stress on us because they wanted us to be tested in that fashion. Like, I mean, every summer they were going to tell us that there was a possibility we were going to die. And it was and when you're 19 and you don't know anything about firefighting, you're like, this could happen. Like, cause there's wildland fires everywhere and people are dying and you're like, this could happen. This could be it. And then you get older and you get more experience. You're like, that never would have happened. <laughs> yeah. And that was so much undue stress, but like you, they put you, I mean, they put me as a team lead the, my second year. I put me as a team lead and it was like, they were telling me like, if there, if you ever have to deploy your fire shelter, you're going to deploy at this end and you are going to die. <laughs> like, there's, there's no surviving that. You, everyone else inside is going is to survive, but you better not survive because if you survive, then I know you fucked up. It was, it was, it was just stuff that didn't need to be said. No. Um, but at the same time, it's true. Yeah, so, just kind know. of a way to instill that understanding of how severe and how dire yeah. situations can be. And just because, I mean, the, the job you have, like, especially for someone like me, I can never imagine, like, the last place I ever want to be is inside of something that's on fire. And, like, your pretty much sole purpose of your occupation <laughs> is to run into that yeah. thing that's on fire and, you know, execute whatever, you know, needs to be done, whether it's, you know, remove somebody from that situation, you know, put out the fire, you know, whatever it is you're doing. But that just, like, blows my mind to think that, like, you know, every day, you know, punch your car, ch- ch- clocked in, here we go, what's yeah. going to happen today? It's like, oh, we've got a structure fire, we've got a response, stuff like that, or, you know, it just puts put stuff into perspective and understanding like the severity of, you know, how quick, you know, cause everybody 
throughout their day, they're like, you get that one person that calls in that's in a pissy mood or something. You deal with it, oh, ruined my day where, you know, your day could be going great. You could be playing, you know, ping pong in the, you know, <laughs> in the firehouse. And then all yeah. of a sudden you get a call that there's a, you know, a four car pile up on the highway or you've got, you know, a, a structure fire. And on the second floor, you've got, you know, residents trapped or something. And it's like, you know, that's a quick way to like escalate a day really quick. And most of us, you know, our biggest, you know, scuffle is, oh man, they burnt my coffee at the freaking yeah. Starbucks. <laughs> like, I, I gotta say, you do, I, you do get used to it after a while. I didn't think I was going to, but you do get used to it after a while, especially when I was working out of state and I didn't know anybody. It was really easy to get used to. You're just like, this is just the circle of life is all this is. Yeah. The, it, hard, the hard part is is that is coming back. I, I thought I wanted to come back to homework because I was like, I want to be – because I, I guess when I was in school, I was the only EMT for the longest time. I started out as an EMT, so I started at an advantage, and then I started being the most experienced EMT, and so I stayed that way. And so I ran the ambulance constantly, and I was like, I don't trust anybody to run these people. Why should I trust anybody to run the people in my hometown? And so I thought I would like that. I'd be like, I'm going to go do some work somewhere where I'm going to work on the people I care about. And then that happens and you start seeing the people you care about in those situations. And it's, just, it's a whole different thing. That's what gets me. Is yeah. it, you, you think, I, I thought I'd want that. And it turns out I don't. <laughs> it's, it, that's the stressful thing is, is, is going to work thinking that it might happen to somebody you care about and yeah. something crazy and you have to go deal with that. But it also keeps me sharp. I don't, yeah. I don't screw up. <laughs> I can imagine. Cause I, I, I bet it's a lot easier to kind of disassociate whenever, you know, especially when you don't know anybody per se in the state even, or, oh, yeah. you know, no one, in, yeah. no one close around you to where, when you're responding to a call, it's you, it's, it's a task at hand. You're, you're doing what needs to be done. Like you're going to do a job, but now, now that you're, you know, back here, it's something you get a call. And I'm sure, you know, first thing that goes is like, you know, I, I hope this isn't anybody I know or like, you know, or even, you know, I'm sure you've got, I hear you're those. much more professional about it, but you know, going through your day and then you, you show up and it is somebody, you know, or care about. And you're like, you know, I'm sure it's so much easier to just get derailed, get un, you know, put out of that, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, I hear those page outs for anybody between the ages of 19 and, and 27. And I, I'm like, I probably know this person. Like it, it's almost a 90% chance. I probably know this person. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Small town. It's a small town. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely that's. I couldn't imagine the amount of stress that gets put on y'all with that. It's it's definitely a. And I was I was thinking about this. Ah, shoot, I was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago because there was some discussion on you know news or something about you know comparison b- between the like police workload, all the police workload, the fire department workload, and just kind of all our like public social. Uh, what would you call them? Social services, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about, and I was, there's so many things that like the fire department handles that most people don't even recognize. And like, y'all are, y'all handle all the like shitty, stressful, good job. Like, like the, I'll nothing, say that, but, but I, I, I would say that we, we do so, we have a really easy job with extremely hard aspects. And I say that a lot because it's true. The job is pretty easy, but there's so much high stress, high risk low frequency things that happen that uh it, it it's not for everybody yeah that being said i would never want to be a cop <laughs> right I would, I would i would i would take my job over being a cop any day of my life I, oh god i would hate to be a cop because they do they they clean up the things that i don't have to do and i, I i'm i'm so happy that i don't have to like deal with shitty people <laughs> that's true because everybody's I, happy to see me right that that's fair you're de- you're always responding to a shitty situation 
but you're always, I guess you're, you're always kind of the, I'm always the, the hero. Guy. Yeah, I'm exactly. always the good guy. <laughs> exactly. You never have your, cause when a, when a police officer responds to something like, you know, somebody's going to be happy that they're there, but that almost guarantees somebody else is going to be really pissed <laughs> off. That <laughs> oh, they're, yeah. they're not oh, happy yeah. that they're the person that they got called for is not happy that they're there. Yeah. And yeah, no, that wasn't a, that last kind of tangent I went on. That was not a, meant to be a bag on the police force oh, at all. But no, it was just like, I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, they responded this, this. I was like, and I feel like nobody, like, there's always going to be that demographic that always speaks out for the police and is like super pro police. I never see any, like, nobody's always like, Go fire department. Like, they're out there kicking ass. And I, I, feel I, think, like- I think it's because it's just a given. I think, I think that's the thing is that the police are, are hated on so much sometimes that it, you got, it, it speaks out more than, than the, the fire department. But, like, kids like us. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. like, you like firefighters from the beginning. Oh, like, yeah. nobody, nobody, nobody packs on the fire department. I, and if you do, it's a crazy situation. You are automatically not likely. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so was was this career path just pretty much you know you were you you had the idea your brother had done it and that's just kind of you were like shit I could you know it was purely incidental it, a- <laughs> it, it truly was it was like I I I, I did the, fight, the EMT thing as like truly to be lazy and then and I I still sucked at it when I when I when I went to Montana like I was not a good EMT I was really garbage uh, brand new and. uh I went to Montana and I was like, well, this will buy me some time. And then I ended up being the only thing that I knew. <laughs> it's, it, it, I didn't have time to do anything else. And so it was my only skill set. <laughs> no, that's And then I was like, I still enjoy it. Like I couldn't imagine doing anything without it. Unless my like legs got blown out or my brain gave out. Like I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. But at the same time, yeah, no, it's my only skill set. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit forced into it. <laughs> oh, oh, I feel like you're underselling yourself a little bit. You're pretty talented. I mean, shit, you used to be, for a period there, you were the fastest man in Alaska. I was. I, I gave up a, I gave up a track career for this. <laughs> oh, be thankful. Yeah, that was a little before your, your time in, uh, yeah. in Alaska. Yeah, Jakey boy over here was for, what, a two-week period? The I was, fastest I, man I, in I was the, the fastest person on the peninsula. I wasn't the fastest person. And that, that sounds so bad, too, because you tell anybody from out of state you're like oh he's the fastest person on the alaskan or the kenai peninsula <laughs> the kenai peninsula them is a map on cabela's big game hunter <laughs> you versus the moose yeah yeah, yeah they, they, they have no idea and it's still true i mean in the country it's nothing too but i was really good at track <laughs> hey, I, had to I, I, I really i really enjoyed it i i could have gone to college just just for funsies it wasn't like any crazy scholarship but i never did yeah, and honestly, I probably saved myself a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of morning workouts, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot of morning workouts. I would have been jacked up. That's the only time I had a six pack. I still can't get one back. I've tried. <laughs> Dude, I've never. My, uh, I played sports for since I was like four years old. Never once had more than a flat stub. I just oh like. Oh my god! You have to experience it once, though. <laughs> the ego that comes with a six pack is oh. just stupid, dude. Even <laughs> at the peak peak of my college football day, where it was you know three workouts a day, you know trying to be healthy with what you eat, I was just you know shredded, pudgy stomach always and forever. And I was just like, what? And, and I mean, it was definitely dietary. It had to have been what I was eating and stuff. You know, I could have gone keto or something and fix that, but. That is just the most discouraging thing in the world, especially for a, good, a couple of my roommates. Great guys. 
different body types, and they could kill <laughs> eight pizzas, just shredded eight packs. I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm working my ass off over here, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, I can. It looks like there's like a cereal box cut out on my tummy. I was like, the, I was like, that's where they're supposed to be. There's just not. They forgot to put like the waffle iron part on there. You know? <laughs> Dude, we would do half an hour of abs every track. I don't know why our coach was so into it, and I don't. I'm happy he was, but he wanted us to do abs so bad. Anyway, so we would do I think at least half an hour of abs every workout, and I still do it every now and then. Like I'll I'll, I'll hop on. And do ab workouts when I'm working out because it's just what I'm used to. But doing that for like a year straight, thinking that was the only thing that was going to make me good, is the only reason why I got a <laughs> six pack. I still do the ab workouts, and what I'll do is I swear to God, and listen to this advice because this is important: women want a six pack more than you. <laughs> when you look for workouts, look for women's ab workouts. They are way harder. <laughs> they're so they're 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 goofier. Like you're going to be doing a lot of dead bugs. <laughs> But I tell you what, like they suck. They suck so bad. Go on Pinterest and look up women's ab workouts. I used to follow women. I used to follow a women's workout page on Instagram, and that's where I would get my workouts I, for like abs and stuff like that. Because I swear to God, they worked, and that, that's been my trick. And that's how I did it. The pride of the Homer Fire Department, right there. Women's yeah. Pinterest. Women, women's, women's Pinterest. Women's ab workout Pinterest. And it, it, you feel a little creepy doing it. <laughs> But it's important. It's good research. <laughs> yeah, before before you uh, go on there and look on that again, you're going to need to shave that uh, that stash you got yeah, off. Yeah, you don't not stash. You it's, might end up on an NSA watch list. It's getting, <laughs> it's getting a little wild. I'm not going to lie. No. It looks good. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> you ever get food in it yet? I get water in it, and, I, and I'll strain it out, and I get it. I get it. I get why it's appealing, because it, it truly is. It's fucking disgusting, Yeah, but it's so appealing. It's, you're just like sitting here. Touching it. I can't eat yogurt though. I I think I ate drinkable yogurt and I got in my stash and uh, just, it was just sticky. Yeah, just like cheese. So gross. <laughs> you have like a milk mustache and it just smells like cheese. Oh the rest god, of the day. no, I don't. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. But <laughs> no, I'll never go back. I love my mustache. Oh man, I wish I could grow up meteor mustache. This is so weak. But... No, it's, you're doing so good. But thank you. Don't give up on it. The only reason why I have it is because my girlfriend still likes it. I don't know what is what she's <laughs> about. I don't know why what she's about. It's so weird. <laughs> I, I feel it when I kiss her, and it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Like I'm, I, it's it's funny because it's just like it feels like I'm making out with somebody with a mustache because you can feel it pressing <laughs> against your lips, and you're like. <laughs> I don't know if I ever made out with a, someone with a mustache, but I probably came close. Oh, yeah. And, I don't know. I guess that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. I tell you from experience. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's something I'm definitely lacking on in the, the facial hair department. Well, other than all of the facial hair, but uh, <laughs> most definitely the mustache portion. <laughs> you could grow a mean little goatee. Yeah, a little, little neck goat. Yeah, a little flavor saver down there. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, well, now that we've covered kind of your background a bit and whatnot, uh, what's kind of your favorite, what's your, what's your favorite Alaska activities to do? Like, what's, what's your hobbies that you spend most of your time uh, when you're not uh, saving lives and getting cats out of trees and ping pong? <laughs> ping pong. <laughs> that's, that's your new, no, that's your new no, pickup? <laughs> no, it's not ping pong. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting mean at ping pong though. I'm so stuck inside right now. I'll ski, I'll ski, I'll ski. All day long, if I just do it, <laughs> yeah, it's like getting out and do it. I I can say I like hiking all day long, but in reality, it's just meat track training for me. It really isn't 
it's it serves a purpose typically um but i can ski as long as i get out it's a clothing problem for me i think at this point i've i don't have any good gear anymore yeah no that's definitely worth it good gear is so worth it yeah especially this time of the year because it's like you got all the time to do it but if you're not enjoying it like if you're just cold and miserable it's you know and i'm such a firm believer there's no such thing as bad weather it's just bad gear you can you can you can make it happen in any weather if you just do it right especially the i mean the leaps and bounds because like 20 years ago gear was nowhere where it was now like there was a couple companies making decent like mountaineering gear and stuff that but you it was cr- wool it was it was a lot more wool and stuff yeah i, I gotta give them that mm-hmm. no but now nowadays there's so many there's been so many advancements in clothing especially technical clothing to where it's just i mean it's expensive it's kind of the buy once cry once kind of mentality you know get a full set of decent stuff you're gonna drop twelve hundred to eighteen hundred dollars to get a freaking fully kitted out with some stuff but it is so not like and if you can get something that has a, like a lifetime warranty like nomar nomar for anybody who doesn't know nomar is a store that is an outfit that they make actually repair sales so like they're a hardcore sewers they're like industrial level sewers um and they make clothing and they sell that clothing for like four hundred to three hundred dollars a piece yeah. a piece yeah it's real expensive like real like expensive but light jackets and uh, sweatpants but they will repair it for the lifetime of that that piece of clothing yeah i didn't know that nomar had their lifetime guarantee because they make dynamite stuff because they kind of started as like an upholstery company for boats and stuff like we've had them make a couple things for the boat and the business but they make some dynamite clothing especially like their commercial fishing gear they make a lot of like full neoprene jackets and stuff like that that uh, you know Fully waterproof at that point. I hope I'm not misselling it. Like I hope I'm not not saying that. I'm not, I hope I'm not, not lying here. But I'm like 99% certain they will repair it for the lifetime. And oh, I, would, I don't doubt they it. They have pants too now, and those pants. Like I, I swear to God, you could wear those pants under anything you wanted to, and yeah. they, they would be great. Oh, well, yeah. Sean brought you packed a pair of those on the, the Kodiak trip this oh, fall. Yeah. Was it the uh, sweatpants? Yeah, really game changer. Were, were they worth it? The oh yeah, it can be so yeah, warm. Like, it's all the air that gets trapped inside. I gotta do it. I just gotta go for it. They, I, I know a guy who used to be a crab fisherman that said he he would buy them and wear them underneath his uh, wear them underneath rain his gear. Rain gear, yeah. And he, yeah, I just got to go. Yeah, I need to get a pair of those sweatpants because I actually got a I got a hundred dollar gift card for Christmas to Nomar and throw that towards a nice pair. of Oh sweatpants yeah, definitely. Get the padded ones. They got ones with the knee pads. Oh, really? And butt pad. Oh, 10 yeah. Out of ten. Oh. Yeah. You don't need snow pants. I'm a, I'm also a firm believer in this. You can argue me all day long. You don't need to buy snow pants. You need to buy a pair of good rain pants. Oh, dude, if you got Scotch Guard, you're solid. <laughs> <laughs> if you buy, but if you buy a good pair of rain pants for like fifty bucks, Heli Hansen makes a rain pant that's fifty bucks right now in Alaska. It's probably cheaper in Lower Forty Eight. Um, I wore those the entire time I worked for the parks, which we can talk about that more later. But I wore, I worked in them with chainsaws and everything, and my partner did too. Never put a hole in them. Yeah. I now wear them skiing and sledding, and I'll slide on the ground in the rocks and stuff like that. Never put a hole in them. Mm-hmm. I wear them, I wear them, and then I just put a pair of sweatpants and something else underneath them, like an underlayer, and they, they are just as good as snow pants. I yeah. don't care what you say. I would have never thought, because, I mean, it's the same. You're still getting, because the important part about snow pants is just kind of the waterproof membrane. A lot of them are insulated and mm-hmm. stuff, but if you just, yeah. you know, layer appropriately underneath it, throw some, like, merino wool leggings with like oh, a yeah. pair of sweatpants and throw those you on can top layer it that's the nice thing you can layer it. if you if, if you're and they're they're built to be hiked in hiked yeah they build they're built to be hiked in and so if you get too warm or whatever like in the morning in alaska it's like i don't know like 40 degrees in the early summer uh you'll you'll walk out through the dew you'll have your rain pants on and then you can take those rain pants off remove your layer put the rain pants back on and keep going 
Like it's not like it's not like your other clothes where it's just instantly you only have one option and you can just switch your balls off or or not or just get wet. Like, yeah, you know well, that's what I wore in Kodiak. Yeah, on top of my sweatpants. Oh yeah, that's was great. my Grundens. Yeah, it's the Grundens outerwear. Yeah. You know, rain gear. I wasn't wet at all, and they and breathe too. Yeah. I mean, rain pants breathe better than snow pants too. In my opinion, I yeah. oh. firm believer. Yeah, I'll have to look into Pro that tip. for sure. Because yeah, we're we're trying to go up. Uh, end uh end of this month hopefully like beginning of the like 21st through like the 24th gonna try and go do some skiing and go hit up alieska and i gotta pick up some new gear and i've got some i've got some snow pants and stuff that work but they're starting to get worse for wear and kind of time time to just re-up on a bunch of stuff and i might look into that instead of yeah save your money just buy layers yeah just 50 bucks layers and then rain pant i'll have to i'll have to look into that 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 might be a little you know a little financial savvy work right there. It's Save a better. couple bucks. It's, yeah. it's better. I think it's better. I don't know. Heck yeah. No, tried, I mean. Tried and oh. tested. Heck yeah. I love mine. They're tough. I didn't tear them at all. Over in Kodiak, I can throw all the thick crap. Yeah, because I've used them on the boat as like, you know, work gear, but I've never thought of them using it as like an active gear. But I mean, it's serving the same purpose. And, you know, you're going to, if you're going to sweat in those, you're going to sweat in snow pants. Like there's no, there's yeah. no difference there. So, oh. That makes sense. So skiing's always your your winner go to though. Whenever yeah. you get the get the ambition, to- I've been skiing since I was two. At least even when I lived in Arizona, I would at least go once a year. Uh, it just by coincidence I did. Yeah, and I it's like riding a bike, so it just keeps coming back, and I just get a little bit better every year. No. And so it's been cool. I uh, yeah, last year I, I got a new pair of skis. I had to buy a lot of new pairs of skis because I moved so much. Um, I got a new pair of skis last year, not new, used, but a new pair to me. Uh, it made them work. They were just groomers, but. I, I beat the crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Ride them hard. The absolute <laughs> shit out of them. They're so cheap. And then um, bought a new pair of skis this last year, a uh, wider pair for powder. Nice. And I still haven't gotten out of them. They got two, they got two ring bindings on them. I got to go get the bindings redone for my, my big ass feet and get out. It's January and I still haven't gone downhill, but I do cross country as well as of, as of last year, just to kill the time. And I love that too. I like it better than hiking in my opinion, honestly. Yeah. yeah cross country is the shit. It's so much fun. That's one thing I've never. I need to. I need to give it a shot because I've never tried it. But to me, I'm always like, man, it's like just colder speed walking. You but think? then I'm like, at least you're outside. Like, there's no nothing like nicer than on like a dead day, like no wind, being out in the snow and just because you're never getting too hot because it's cool out, yeah. but you're working up a sweat. And there's a zen to it too, especially Nordic style skiing. You can attest to this, Sean, but like just because you, every, if you step right, there's a, there's a, there's a matter of stepping right. You can really cross country ski badly, but if you step right, you get this like perfect glide and then you do another one. It's a perfect glide. And you're like basically walking at running speed. It's like you're. It's like you're walking on those. Uh, on those. Uh, what are they called? Like at the airport, they. Uh, they go oh, the, the little uh, treadmill. Yeah, the little treadmill things. The that, sideways yeah, escalator. Yeah, it's <laughs> a sideways, I didn't want to say it, but it's a sideways escalator. Yeah, it's like walking on one of those. You're just hauling ass, doing yeah. no effort. No, that that's sweet. I've always because I've thought about doing it to like doing that and kind of mixing it with some like small game hunting, kind of you know oh, yeah. throw a shotgun it? on my back and stuff. Because me and Sean tried uh, snowshoeing last winter. That hobby sucks. That sucks. That's so that's so hard. So much, it's like hard walking. Well, it's, it's so like, hard walking. Like, is it better than post holing with no snowshoes on? Yes, um, by about like three <laughs> percent. <laughs> like, they only slightly. <laughs> 
like in my head, I was like, oh, dude, you just like float across the snow. You just, it makes it to where you can walk on snow. It's like, no, instead of stepping and your foot going like 18 inches down, it goes like 12 inches down. But now instead of like bringing your foot back up, you have a tennis racket attached you're, to you're it. A, you're a <laughs> shovel. <laughs> you are scooping every single step. Oh, there's a few times. Because me and Sean were like, let, he was like, let's go snowshoeing. And I got, you know, let's go check out this area. And we were like, oh, yeah. You know, brought a shotgun along. We're going to try and shoot some grouse, a couple, uh, you know, snowshoe hares. And we're like, this will be fun. Ended up snowshoeing a little over seven miles, which was way too far to do on your first time ever on snowshoes. Oh, my yeah, God. Snowshoes. Great workout. <laughs> it was a great time. We fe- toast. Yo, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we headed out, like, beginning of the day. Gorgeous day. Just perfect day. We're just... You know, this is fun. You know, it's it's like that honeymoon phase of a relationship. This mm-hmm. is this is fresh. This is new. I haven't done this before. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, he's kind of heavy. And, uh, you know, going, going, going. And the day's going. Sun's high. Beautiful, gorgeous day. We see a couple rabbits. Never put anything together. But, you know doing the thing and we find we ended up finding where we ended up moose hunting this fall great sign it was just really cool getting to do some like wintertime scouting for moose but then we were like all right we got to head back you know up to the truck which was all uphill which is all right no big deal <laughs> but what we didn't account for was the sun had been out all day and that nice like hard snow we had was now slush and we had a little over three miles to get back to the truck uphill and now every step coming down you know you lose about four to six inches but it wasn't bad you're i was like oh, i see why people do this this isn't horrible and then we turned around and it just went to shit so fast <laughs> just like there was a few times if sean wasn't there i'd still be there today <laughs> like you step break through go down like two foot but your snowshoe so if for those of you listening like imagine a tennis racket but like going down with the head of the tennis racket hitting the snow but then imagine just taking it vertically very thin and just shoving it as far down as you could and then turning it sideways <laughs> and then trying to pull it up that way it's like having little anchors attached to your feet oh my God. three feet under the snow <laughs> and like i'm not a tall dude i'm like five seven and a half i'm up to like my hips and snow you can, can't hardly move your shoulder. Like, you can't, you try to dig yourself out, but you can't dig that low because you can only bend so much at the way. I would have died. <laughs> like, get Sean to do, he's having the same issue. We're both punching two foot holes into the snow with these freaking tennis rackets attached to our feet. He gets over to me. We spend like 10 minutes trying to dig each other out, finally get going. And then it's just that for the next four hours. <laughs> we finally get close to the trailhead again. And like sun's going down. It's getting dark. We're both just whipped out of shape at this point. Cause like seven miles is a decent little hike to begin with, but doing it in snow, like it just, that's like doing 15 miles on foot easy. That was just <laughs> a nightmare. Oh, yeah. And oh, dude, my shotgun was so full of snow and just beat the crap. And I was like, I was ready to just like leave a thousand dollars worth of gear out there and just like, it wouldn't even even help. That's the problem. Like, I don't know what I, I was just so demo, like desensitized to everything. Start pressing the life med button on oh, your set. Dude, yeah, hit me the out of here. <laughs> yeah, get the Blackhawks in the air. Freaking, oh, no, that was. You ever, uh, you ever done that? What, like your post hole in your legs through the snow? 
because I'm, I'm a pretty heavy guy, and so I do this all the time. Like, I'll be going through the snow, just like that. When there's, like, a, a, a big thaw and then a refreeze, and so it's just an ice layer. And if you're just over one, if you're over 145, you're, you're fucked. Um, and so I would, sometimes I'll do, I'll lay on my stomach and just crawl. Hell yeah. <laughs> just just, just like spread my way like it's, like it's ice. It's just, we crawled, like, three miles that day. Uh, dude, it was... Just put those, put those bad girls on your hands. <laughs> drag yourself oh yeah that was a quick lived hobby because i was like i can see why people do this and i was like Mm-mm, nope no more not again never again nope <laughs> you could take that to the bank yeah, i never have my ass kicked by a pair of snowshoes oh yeah i'll bad. put my skis on any day of the week like, <laughs> yeah no i i'm definitely more inclined to do that i'm much more comfortable on skis even if i at least those you can unclip them and walk up and i mean you, you could do up, that yeah. with snowshoes at that point but it was just oh no no thank you <laughs> it makes it wicked wide cross-country skis that's oh yeah for just like ditch banging yep Huh. Ditch banging, yeah, <laughs> stump thumping, real yeah. meat tractoring, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're pretty sweet. No, that's good. We need to get up there. I'm excited for this this trip up to Alaska. Oh, this gonna yeah. be good. That's when uh, I think I went once last year. Might have gone twice, but uh, it's it's been it's been a bit since getting to get do some good skiing. Plan on picking up a brand new set of boots, bindings, and skis. The whole shebang and. Just trying to get get into that a little more. Haven't been doing enough winter stuff, and always enjoyed skiing, but just ne- always rented gear, resort gear, which is which is fine. But it just gets expensive after time, and that doesn't, you know, if you don't have any skis at home, can't do any backcountry stuff. You can't do, and hoping to get into that a little more before we got on the on the mics. Me and Jake were talking about it, and you know, planning on getting you know some new avalanche gear and trying to actually do some. Do some true true riding, and that'd be that'd be a blast because that's something that you know between that and snow machining, those are just two opportunities in the winter that are just so awesome around here. But you just kind of you have to have the means to you have to, to go do means. it. Yeah, and it's like ninety percent of what you, if you only stick to the groom trails. I mean, cross country skiing is great and all, but if you only stick to the groom trails and and only stick to Alaska, you're only getting like maybe five percent of the actual skiing experience up here. Mm-hmm. I mean, people from around the world come up here. To go backcountry skiing. Oh, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's it's one of the few things you can do. No, without a doubt. And I want to get to the point where I'm confident enough to do a, a hella skiing trip. My uncle, a few years oh, back, so did, a, did a trip out of Valdez and said it was one of the coolest experiences of his life. And it'd be fun to treat him and, you know, pay pay my way and his way to go do another trip before he gets a little too old to, you know he's still making great turns and whatnot but i mean it's a it can be tough on the body and you know have you seen those have you seen those speaking of posts have you seen those videos people those people jumping out of the helicopter and just being like neck deep in snow oh <laughs> it's crazy even shoot a couple uh saw a couple posts a few weeks ago uh some guys snow machining up in the past and they'd jump off the just the back of their snow machine and that's why I hate snow machine i'll never I, that's why i can't i can't invest in a snow machine because you you're going all the way out there you're going to go out. I'm going to, I'm going to throw some hate out here. That's an unpopular opinion. Uh, you go <laughs> See, all, I own a snow machine. I know. I know. Everyone, everyone likes snow machining except for me. If you go all the way out there and you bury your shit, I can bury myself and dig myself out. But if you bury your shit and you've already gone a distance that only a motor can go, 
you're fucked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you, have to, you have to now dig this small car out of the, out oh, of the yeah. snow. I have supremely buried my shit. I, <laughs> Lots of times. And it's like people brag about it, and I'm like, that sounds like shit. <laughs> I don't brag about my car going in the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the weirdest, like, the weirdest thing about the snow machine community, because, like, looks from, like, an outside perspective, super fun. Looks awesome. But then... You get to know know the individuals that do it, or you know, kind of actually understand how it goes. They're like, "Yeah, you spend twenty thousand on a brand new machine, uh, whatever a good trailer costs, so anywhere from you know five to twenty grand again. So you're let's just make a smooth twenty five thousand invested in your you know trailer snow machine. Then you have to drive ten hours to where you want to go in snow machine, and then you unload your snow machine." You immediately break about $300 in parts. I know. Every uh, year. Loading every year. You always hear somebody like, oh, I got to fix my snow machine. Like, do you do this every time? <laughs> yes. Are, are are they, <laughs> yes. Are these disposable pieces? Like, are they, you know how many bumpers I have? That's <laughs> like, nuts to me. I Oh, yeah, exactly. You go out, you break a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff. You spend half your day. You've got a weekend, so you got... Let's say two and a half days, yeah. which is being super generous. That's your, you've got a three-day weekend. You spend 20 hours of that driving wherever you're going. You spend another five hours of that uh, fixing the crap you broke uh, on top of paying for it. And then you get about three hours of really fun, enjoyable, you know, riding around, doing whatever. And then you drive back home. And I'm just like, you've invested... 30 grand and so much time and you effectively rode for four hours of your weekend. And they're like, yeah, it was awesome. You want to come? And I'm like, yeah, but uh, I'm not paying. To I'm not doing do- my own machine. There's no freaking way. <laughs> spare sleds. Yeah. No, and that was like, you took me out like truly riding for the first time last winter, Sean. We went out to do a little coyote and wolf calling and went out to, you know, ride the, ride the machines and whatnot. And, I was like, oh, man, I can see how, the, like, it was fun. We were doing some riding, going from, you know, we were set up a call stand and then moved to another one, set up another call stand, and then, uh, you know, day was kind of a bad day of hunting. So we were just like, let's go ride the machines around. I was like, all right, this was fun. I was like, oh, I can see where this goes. And and then kind of like the snow snowshoe adventure, I was like, oh, this <laughs> first half was awesome. It was just like the snowshoe adventure. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, this is cool. I could, I, this is a new hobby I could get into. And then we're like, oh, you know, it's starting to get late. Let's head back to the, you know, head back to the truck. All right. Proceed to get buried. Every, like, everything was going fine. I don't know what changed, but in, all of a sudden you go 10 feet, bury the machine. Dig oh, it out. Yeah. Go another 10 feet, bury the machine. Bury, bury, bury. Dig, 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 <laughs> oh, dig, 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 out. dig, dig. Oh and then, God. yeah, a whiteout blizzard rolls in. Finally, as we're like getting back to the trail, <laughs> it was so shitty. It was so. I broke Michael on snow machine forever. We're like head back to the trail, and like, and it's one of those situations you run into the same thing skiing, where you got like your goggles on and stuff starts to fog, or you're like, well, let me just take them off and fix them real quick, and you just create a horrible situation for yourself you can't see anything you don't know what's going on i'm trying to it's a whiteout 
my goggles are all effed up now. I can't see nothing. I'm just like, this is my first time, like, truly on a snow machine. And, like, if you've never been on a snow machine, it's not like driving anything. Nothing about it makes sense. To turn left, you throw your body left, turn your steering wheel right, and hope it goes left because it doesn't ever do what you want it to do. It doesn't do. always do it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, we about die. We finally, we're make it to the trail where oh we can see post here post there we're trying to stay on the trail oh we're gonna make it back we're gonna make it back and then sean the uh quote-unquote experienced one of the two we're just like cruising down the trail just like bombs it into the ditch just like (laughs) rolls the machine into the ditch mind you white out you cannot see the trail we're looking for posts (laughs) found a ditch (laughs) From my angle, I was like, oh, man, he's going right at the, oh, yep, he's he's in the ditch. Does he want to be? Nope, he doesn't want to be in the ditch. Got it. Understood. Great. I, I fucking love, <laughs> I love the stories, too, because you always hear people's stories like, they're like, oh, I went snow machining yesterday. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And like, yeah, we got really stuck. I'm like, oh, it sucks. And then they go, it's still out there. And I'm like, you have a, th- you just left $30,000 in the woods. <laughs> Dude, it's, I've seen it, so many sleds out there. I, I know. It's, <laughs> And the thing is, is that, is that nobody steals them because it's such a pain in the fucking ass. Now you're worth stealing it. <laughs> Most people don't even want their fucking sleds back. Yeah, like you can keep that yeah. shit. Or we're gonna wait for that shit to thaw out the next season, and then I'll, and then I'll figure it out. Like, get a four wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> That's nature's machine now. No, my favorite was I think it was last winter. It might have been two winters ago, but uh, uh, Patty. Oh no, Patty, right? Yeah, <laughs> they went out riding and. Uh, he was riding and he came back and I was asking him how he was like, oh, it, was, it was all right. He's like, my machine caught on fire. I was like, huh. I was like, what do you mean it caught on fire? He was like, well, it caught on fire. And I, I was like, oh, well, I guess, yeah, he said it caught on fire. But like, what did you all get it out? He's like, no, we just left it there. It burnt like a six foot hole in the ground. I was like, oh. Cool. I was like, Small inferno. I was like, what'd you do? He was like, oh, we just rode double for the rest of the day. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, that hobby is just so stressful. Like you can't do it alone. You can't you can't you can't fucking do it alone. And I swear, it's back to my, my theory, you should never go somewhere with a machine that you can't get out of with your legs. Because yeah, yeah. you imagine doing that shit by yourself, you're like, I'm gonna go snow machine for the day, and then your shit just burns up. It's just oh that's sweet. <laughs> And then you're you're doing something worse than snowshoeing. <laughs> you're post hole digging. You're post hole digging. Seventy one miles. Day. And then back to that freaking whiteout thing too. I I love whiteouts. I love whiteouts so much because the desperation of man really comes out in a whiteout. <laughs> Fuck out. yeah! It's so so scary. You're like oh well, I'm just fucked. I've been in whiteouts before skiing where I it's just I just just like I'm just gonna lay down and. <laughs> this is where dig, we fucking I, I was gonna dig a hole. I just dig holes and just try to keep this, <laughs> the wind off my head. Just you're so fucking desperate. You just gotta dig. <laughs> I was like, we were out there snow machining. I was like, fuck. Michael doesn't know where we're at. I don't know where the fuck we're at. I can't see anything. I need to find a post. Where's the next trail post? Holy fuck! Absolute desperation comes out. You just start sweating. Just park that shit. Panicking. You're just like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. There's a post. Keep going. It's like those people that do the uh, Iditarod Trail and skis and, and, and they walk and run it and stuff like that. I mean, I, I have no lady, Jacqueline, if you listen to this, by some miracle shout out. Uh, she did a training camp for it to survive it. It's 350 miles 
is the, is the first if you want to do the pussy one <laughs> it's a whole 1080 miles it's a really good there's a really good movie on it but it's it's the whole 1080 miles you want to do the whole thing nobody's ever done it by skis but like you're going through icy rivers there's a good portion of it that goes over a frozen like i think it's a frozen bay i don't think it's a lake and it's just flat and it gets so fucking windy and white out that you you just can't do anything you just I'm just going to lay down here and hope I don't die. Oh, I Because you're by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it at all because uh, uh, Vince, who was going to come on, uh, he ended up, he had to leave for, he's going crab fishing and they had some weather. They had to leave today. But uh, he's done the I Did a Rod Trail as like part of the support team that does it on snow machines behind Oh, really? Them. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And one year it was actually Kendra, his little, uh, his younger stepsister, uh, her and uh, Paul, her dad, they found uh, Jeff King. He's a like three, yeah. four time yeah. uh, I did a rod champion, but he got caught in a whiteout and got disoriented and turned all his dogs loose and was just wandering around taking his. He was stuck in a whiteout and began, you know, got hypothermic and just, you know, all of a sudden was going downhill quick. And they ended up uh, finding him and rescuing him. But uh, I'll have to get her on the podcast yeah, and talk about that sometime. But Kendra, yeah. Kendra be a good, good person in the podcast. And she's the reason why I, I live by the rule of don't go anywhere farther than your oh, your feet can take you. And she can tell her own story on that one. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, it's, she's cool. Yeah, no, they've done, she's done some cool stuff. She was, I believe, still to this day, the youngest person to do the I did I did a rod trail really? uh, support uh, as a support, but yeah, did it at age eight, I think, Good for her. something like that. Yeah, that's cool. but but yeah, no, that, that's just a that's a very unwanted feeling where you're just like because getting disoriented in like the summer or something, getting turned around or lost, like where you won't freeze to death is completely different than when you can't see. You have no clue what direction's what, and you're like, I could actually just like freeze to death and die. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, in a couple hours, like in no time. Like you get, you could get, you know, plane crash in the summer, like super crap situation. But you can at least try to survive. Try to hatch at that shit. Yeah, exactly. You get disoriented in the winter, and you're out in the bush. Like, you could just be. Dunzo, like oh, yeah. there's just there's no coming back from that. It's so surreal too. I mean, like especially on like in, in Fairbanks and stuff like that, where it's like they'll give you the stats. It's like you got like two minutes of extra gear on. And you'll you'll be feeling hypothermia. Like if, you, if I crash out here, I better have all my cold weather gear. Uh-huh. I mean, I know people who crab. I'm sure Vince can attest to this. Like the, like the stats for falling in the water out here is like 45 seconds. If you fall in the water and you don't have immediate egress, you're fucked. Yeah, that's just it's crazy. No, we had, uh, I will never forget it, in South Dakota when we had the big polar vortex, it was like negative 65, oh, yeah, that's right. just nasty, and I remember on the news, they're like, you know, avoid going outside, and if you're outside, avoid breathing, and I was like, oh yeah, what, like, excuse me, I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure I have to do that, they were like, yeah, avoid breathing, at least deep breaths, or through your mouth, or through your nose without it being covered. And I was just like, what do you mean? They're like, your lungs will freeze. It'll freeze, your, you- <laughs> it'll freeze the alveoli in your lungs and it'll cause you to go and have tra- like lung trauma. It's fucking nuts. That's why you can't <sighs> run. That's why you can't run when it's that cold out. Yeah. If you run, it'll, it'll freeze up your lungs and you'll be screwed. No, that is just, it, it was fun but to take right. like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, yeah, in case you didn't already know, if you start panicking, don't start running. <laughs> On the bright side, you can take a pan of hot water and throw it in the air, turn it into snow. That is fun. <laughs> you see the videos of people like frying their skin off doing that shit? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> throw it up over their heads and it just like lands on their back. It's just like, oh, it's not, it's not cold. Yeah. yeah. 
Those are the same people that burn their house down trying to fry turkeys. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's natural selection. I'm sorry. If you've ever blow, blown bubbles in, in, in like zero degrees, I'd highly recommend it. Like, it's, like it's, it freezes immediately. Oh. It just falls. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's cool getting to see like true like cold, cold or like especially on the water. Like this uh, fall, we had some really cold trips over on Kodiak and just like the ice fog that would be all over the, you know, the yeah. bays and the inlets and just, you know, it's so quiet and oh, it was just crazy. Ooh, deep breath. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all this uh, talking about my lungs freezing, which got me stressed, stressed oh, out. Yeah. No, I wanted to ask you, Jake, about because uh, before you became a firefighter, you were doing some stuff for uh, Alaska Parks Parks yeah, System. Park yeah, and you were living so you were servicing all the trails across the bay here in Kachemak Bay, and you'd live out there for a week, ten days at a time. Yeah, we right? do eight days on, six days off. It was me and me and Andy. <laughs> and Shout out to Andy. Shout out to Andy <laughs> if he's listening. Sorry, Mexico didn't work out. <laughs> What was that like? Like, that what was, was what was kind of your job job title? Was, what you did and what that experience was technically like. the boss. I shouldn't have been the boss. I, there's no reason. <laughs> the the boss of one. Other I was person. the boss of one other person and two other people. I was me and me, Andy and um, Jordan was the lady that that joined on with us after a little bit. And I being a boss of two people not only sucks, but also I had no qualifications to be a boss. I Andy was actually way more qualified, but he's just super humble. He'll never admit it. Uh, he could have done it, and so that was that was rough. But we really didn't have to worry about that too much. Um, working across the bay was sweet, though. I've never been more at peace with myself, and, and it's weird because I've subsequently lost that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> spending eight days in the woods with only like th- two other people to talk to. I mean, me and Andy, we would go days without talking to each other. And the parks across the bay, we call it across the bay because you have to take a boat to get there. Is you only have like maybe 500 people at the park at a time, max, and most of them are at the more popular sites. We were servicing a broken trail, so nobody was on it. You'd only see like the hardcore ones on it trying to go to like the peaks or something. It was just so weird. It was weird to not see people for so long and just being out in the woods across the bay where there's no roads for miles upon miles. You can't hear anything. You, you'd occasionally hear a plane. Very rarely you'd hear a plane. And it'd be a float plane usually, like trying to land in one of the lakes. That, that was it. No, yeah, that's it. Was sweet. Yeah, it was. And for yeah, like Jake was explaining. So we we refer to it here in Homer as across the bay, but Homer sits uh, kind of at the mouth of Catchmack Bay, and it's a protected bay system that's got on one side the Kenai Mountain Range, then the bay, and then where kind of. We consider like the mainland of the peninsula where Homer is, Highway 1, where you can access Anchorage, Soldotna, Kenai. But the only way to access the, you know, parks parks over there, the across the bay, is either water taxi, personal boat, or aircraft via float plane. Or I don't think there's any established runways. You can land on the beaches if you go to the head of the inlet. Yeah, like on the is, sandbars, yeah, they'll, they'll land on the beaches up there for like bear viewing trips, but I don't think they do it very much. Not not for like the average the average hiker because there's no trails over there. Yeah, unless you want to bush it. Yeah, but it's one of the it's super unique to home. Like it's a gorgeous state park that it's got maintained trail systems. That was your job to you know, maintain the coolest, them. And yeah, it, it's it's the coolest park. I think it's the, one of the coolest parks in Alaska, aside from Denali. But even Denali is like. 
It's just, it, it's the seclusion is what makes it sweet. You have to go there by boat. And when you're there, you're there. There's no, like, I'm going to go back to the car. You're you're stuck there. And, and it's cool because it's got a huge infrastructure around. I mean, Homer's got, shoot, like 30 water taxis that access it. And for, I mean, you can get a round trip run. You know, you set up a drop-off time and a pickup time. And I think you can get over there. 57 bucks. Like, yeah. Exactly. It was last year, 57 bucks for, per person. If you get a lot of people, you get a discount. Yeah. yeah, and I mean that's super reasonable, especially for like in in it's you can any like any capable if you can walk you can effectively do some of the trails over there like yeah. Gruing Glacier Trail depending on which trailhead you go to, I think the saddle trails like one point four miles so and doable. the long oh, trails yeah. like three miles, but both they're I mean they're I don't want to say maintained trail they're. You're walking on a dirt sidewalk, oh, effectively. Oh, not even anymore. It's, it's like uh, gravel paved. Yeah, they, 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 they actually went through, through the trouble of putting gravel down for one of the trails. Oh, wow. And it was, it was probably the saddle it, trail. It was, the, it, was, it, was the, it was the end of the saddle trail. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually volunteer-maintained mostly nowadays because uh, they just get a crew together every year to, to fix it up. But it's neat. The trail system's out there because you have those trails where, like, you know, I think 90% of the business goes to the glacier, goes to the saddle, goes to the tram, which is all the same trail system. It's like a, it's like a fork all leading to the same destination. And then you have, like, what I worked on, the China Poo Lake Trail, which is still pretty maintained, but it's not as maintained, and it's three miles to your destination. Um, and then you can go to Poots Peak, which is unmaintained, but you hike up the mountain peak and you can see everything. And then it gets as difficult as the Moose Valley Trails where you can – effectively hike i think 12 total miles all around and you can even you can even tw- hike in hike those trails and then pack raft out via river um out to the head there's it's it's like a it's almost like a skate park of trail there's just a little bit oh, of yeah. everything yeah and it's so cool and like the saddle trail and i i think it's just growing trail the other yeah. option to get up to growing like but it's super easy i mean you could take your grandma on it your grandfather like if you can walk two miles and just be outside for that time period, you can see one of the coolest, like, glacial-fed lakes and glacier. Like, when you get up to it, opens up into a big lake. You've got floating icebergs in it. You can see the glacier in the background. And it's just, like, it's a super unique opportunity for exactly 60 bucks to get across and then oh, yeah. a little bit of sweat equity, which, you know, less than two miles. I mean, that's... If you like the, if you like the outdoors, it's a must do, without question. If you come come to this area, oh, without a doubt, especially degrees, yeah. yeah, and all those trails, like anything across the bay, is just super cool. Especially because it's kind of got this like mystique to it. Because like in Homer, Homer faces the bay. Every yeah. no matter where you're at in Homer, like you're looking at the bay and you're looking at the mountains across the bay, and it's just always kind of this like dangling carrot where it's like we're over here you can you know you've got so much and it's got so many little microcosms of, of like of different environments like there's always clouds hanging in there it really it's like a it's like a what is it, lord of the rings kind of lord of the rings kind of scenario oh, where yeah. oh yeah you just look at it and it's just like holy shit no it's <laughs> That's right over there it's super 10 cool miles have you ever gone up to the done the emerald lake trail i have not there? i actually you know it's funny is i actually haven't done a whole lot of the trails that are out there i um I did the China Poot. I maintained the China Poot Lake Trail um, and kept that clean. And then I have hiked Poots Peak, hiked the China Poot Lake Trail, hiked all the, the glacier trails, and I've hiked part of the Emerald Lake Trail. But I've never, never done like the Waz. I've never done the Moose Valley Trail except for when I got lost when I was like eighteen. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, there's uh, there's so much more out there for me to explore. It's it's disgusting. Oh, yeah. I really want to do the Emerald Lake Trail and do like a like a three four day camping trip up there and do some like black bear hunting up there because oh, yeah. it's a super like because it's a high alp- high alpine lake. You can fish up there. There's mountain goats. There's black bear. Like it's just like super gorgeous place, and you can fly in there. But the trail's like I think it's like three and a half miles into it with like a think you gain like 18 to 2100 foot which yeah. i mean over three and a half miles ain't you know you're gonna it's not crazy no. it's, it's like it's completely it's, doable like super doable you'll get a little bit of a clod burn going but it's not like you're gaining a thousand foot in a mile or anything like that it's, just, it's pretty gradual and yeah and across there too i mean you don't even want to get me started on like the harding ice fields i was oh, i was yeah. just about to ask because you can access that you from can, across the bay you right? can yeah. access the harding ice fields from across the bay and you can hike the harding ice fields across the Harding Ice Fields all the way to Seward. That'd and you can exit the Harding Ice Fields. Now, I don't know how dangerous it is because it's in, it's it's a glacier. You're walking on a glacier. Yeah. You got crevasses and all yeah. that. I've heard legends of one of the guys I work with, his brother got married up there. Really? Yeah. So they went up there via helicopter. Yeah. They got married and he ordained it and beautiful. And they see this old guy. Oh, my God. Really? Walking down the ice field, no shirt on, Couple of checking poles. He had walked from Seward <laughs> all yeah. the way down here to Homer. Oh, that'd be so cool himself. to do like a through hike from Homer to Seward. Because like driving, what? Uh, it's like four hours. Nah, that's three and a half hours. It's like three and a half hours. But you have to go around everything. Like, yeah. If you you can literally, it's it, it when you live here for so long, you don't even think that's like it's right there. You yeah. can just walk there, but you have this mountain range and this just massive glacier. And even to go there by boat, like, we go about halfway during our spring black bear hunts. That's where we transport to, or yeah. like, Nuka Island area. But there's those huge fjords that separate it. And, like, where we'll be hunting, it's about the it takes us about six to eight hours to get there. But we're about the, like, halfway point. But there's just, you'll see, you'll get a boat here or there. And it's usually commercial boats going to and from fishing grounds. And... It's just like it takes, you know, it'd take us a good at least 12 hours to get to Seward via boat. And like just the fact that you could walk across like that's something that's definitely on the bucket list. I'd love yeah. to do like a okay. how long how long of a be like a four day trip. Maybe I have I have it on actually in a book somewhere that, that, that talks about how to do it. And I think it's about three to four days. And it's there's 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 a process involved that includes ropes. Yeah. Um, unless you're like that guy, in which case you can just say F it and just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you don't want to get your ass kicked by accident, you know, you might want to plan for falling into crevasses and stuff like that. But it's so where I would, I would want to do it so bad. I, I've, I've wanted to do it. It's just, that's one of those things you just have to gear up for and do it. Yeah. You gotta, you, that's a, you know, a plan for year. Yeah. You know, it's your trip. do some planning unless, I mean, I'm sure if you're, if that's your thing, kind of through hiking, anything like that, you, you know, just kind of like a big ski run, plan a line and just get after Go it. For it but, yeah. but no, that'd be a good trip. I want to definitely do some, you know, Emerald Lake trips this summer. We, we plan on doing a bunch of head of the bay stuff, taking our four wheelers up there and exploring up there. But oh, yeah, Fox River, just, yeah. Mm-hmm, no, just that whole, that whole area over there is just, oh, it's just so, it's so pretty. And it's just, it's just got like that weird, like mystique to it because we're so close to it, but it's still kind of unaccessible unless yeah. you know go out of your way. But it's just you know it's like having the last frontier in your backyard, quote unquote. You know, yeah. I, it's just it's the inaccessibility that just does it for me. The fact that it, it, 
it's it's hard to get to. And if you get stuck out there, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes it to where, like, you're laissez-faire hiker, some, somebody who's just, like, they want to go for a hike, but they're not going to go out of their way to do some. It keeps them from accessing it. You'd, to be, where, you'd be so surprised, though. I have so many funny stories. Yeah. Well, didn't, oh, oh, didn't you run into, it was, like, the first, first, uh, group, of, first group of all girl Boy Scouts, <laughs> and it was so sad. <laughs> you got to share that story. I'm a, so I'm an Eagle Scout, right? And I'm before anyone gets upset, I'm not about to bash on ladies because there were some cool girls in this group. But Boy Scouts switched over to Scouts. Now girls can do it, which I don't blame them because that's pretty sweet. Boy Scouts is better, uh, <laughs> and so, and so yeah. So this group of girl, this group of girls comes at down the trail, and it's raining dog ass. Like it was the first rainy week of our entire season, and it sucked. It was it was brutal. I mean, we were we were just suffering. I think we were it was, we were deep into our season, so we were pretty groggy at that point. Um, and we were just sitting on the side of the trail eating eat trail mix or something like that, just eating some garbage lunch because it was the end of our the end of our hitch. So we were even more jaded. And this group of, like, all girls in, like, brand-new gear. And we've learned some, a couple of things. Don't trust anybody in brand-new gear. No offense, Michael. <laughs> never, trust any, never, never, never trust anybody in brand-new gear. If you see somebody out in the woods in brand-new gear, do not take their advice unless you know them. Um, they all had brand-new gear. And it was, like, you could tell because it was all bright colors. Like, it was not, like, pinks and stuff like that. But it, was, it wasn't blacks. They, they weren't. It was it wasn't, it was, it was they so weren't obvious. neutral tones. It was, they, were, they were basically, it was, like, it was like if you saw someone walking around in the woods with white vans that were still white. Like, oh. <laughs> it, was like it was like, there's no question this is new stuff. And um, they came up and they were like super jazzed. Like the, the dad, there's all a group of dads and all their daughters. And they're super jazzed. And they're like, yeah, we're from California. And I'm like, I don't want to bash on California people too. And, and like, yeah, we're, we're all, it's we're California. All, we can bash on them a little like, bit. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're like, we're all, we're all Girl Scouts and stuff like that. We're not girls. We're all girl, we're an all girl Scout troop. And they're going to be the first girls to, to get their Eagle Scout. And I was like, cool. And they're all like, I don't know, like 14 through 16. Like they were a pretty solid group. But no, probably like. 12 through 16. Like they were like a, a pretty, they were like, there were, there's no eight year olds in this group. Like they were not just straight out of Cub Scouts. They were all pretty much in the same class. And you could look at them and you're like, there are some cool girls here that are not having fun. It is raining. <laughs> it is muddy. It's just disgusting. And they're not having it. And the dads are trying to keep it chipper, but they're not having fun either. And then there's this guide who looks like he has no fucking idea what he's doing. And I knew he had no idea what he was doing because there's only a certain amount of guides in Alaska that are licensed to do these things, and I know them. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where you came from, buddy, but you're you might have you might be a little over your head. And they're walking down the trail, like we're going down to the lake. And I'm like, well, you're on the right trail for it, so that's cool. But the uh, trail's flooded out. You have to kind of walk around the flooded spot and walk through the river, but you'll find your way. It's all flagged. We had to flag it for ourselves so we didn't get lost. They're like, cool, sounds good. And I was like, my name's Jake. If you have any issues, just come back and, and just ask me. And they're like, cool, sounds good. That was a mistake. <laughs> that was mistake number one. And so they all trudged off, and we kind of eyeballed all, 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 all the all the scouts. And there were some chicks there that were just badass. And I was I was so I was like rooting for them. I was like, "You guys are kicking ass right now." He's like, like I think this twelve year old is just like short hair, just having the time of her life. So in, she was so into it. And I was like, "This is you're the shit. You carry that team. The rest of you guys can suck it." <laughs> They leave, and then we were finishing up our work day. We were 16-hour days, and we're finishing up our work day. We're dog-tired, and I hear, Jake. And I'm like, oh, fuck, because I'm the only person with a t- tourniquet. And he's like, within 50 fucking miles, I'm like, please, dear God, don't tell me one of these girls just, like, slit her leg open or something like that. And they're, Jake, running to us. And I'm like, I'm like walking. We're, like, speed walking back, and uh, they, they're like, uh, oh, thank God we found you. There's two dads that ran up to us, and they're like, 
where you can't find, we went to the river, but we couldn't find it. The guy tried to get mad at me because they couldn't find the trail. I'm like, it's fucking flagged. Just follow the fucking flagging. It's pink. Like, your guys' stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I, we go out there. I meet up with the fucking guide who, it turns out, he's from, like, Utah. Mm-hmm. Never been on this trail before in his life. That should be illegal. <laughs> you should not be calling yourself a guide if you've never been here before. And uh, they're like they're like halfway down the river. They didn't even try. They're just like they're just like not even. Tr- they're trying to avoid the river instead of walking through it, and so, so they didn't get wet. And I was like, "All right, take your shoes off." I was so done because I only had like four hours myself before I had to go back to bed. I'm like, take your shoes off, roll your pants up, let's go. And it was just the most pathetic group of just like just like, these girls just falling over themselves like that, walking through the mud, except for like that one badass chick. And all the dads were shout like, out to the twelve year old. Uh, I know should be like maybe eighteen You're probably by 18 now. now. You're probably kicking ass. <laughs> Keep doing it. And the fucking the dads are all pissed at each other. It was so funny because me and Andy were such dickheads at this point. These dads are just like yelling at each other like from now on, Randy, I'm taking control. <laughs> it was so awkward. <laughs> I, I feel some microaggressions coming was, out of the screen. It was so bad. Because they were like, these guys were, and I found out after that, these guys were like dentists. They were like dentists and lawyers and shit like that. They just had a lot of money to afford this really expensive trip for their daughters. I mean, good for them for treating their daughters, but God, they did not pick the right person for this trip. LA to AK, baby. I, I know. Oh, it was so bad. And then, so we finally get them there, and they're like, Dog, they're wet. They have no other gear. Some girls packed pillows, which were which were wrapped on the backside of their fucking on the back like on the outside of their 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 packs, packs which is wet obviously now. <laughs> and the other gear is wet. I'm like, okay, there's a fucking rental cabin. If nobody's in there, you are allowed to use that rental cabin. If anybody walks up to you and says, "Hey, this is my rental cabin," you will shut your mouth and you will leave. <laughs> and you'll go to the campsite and just be cold because I can't help you. Like, you guys, you guys are so grossly underprepared for this trip that it's not even funny. And they're like, "Sounds good." I didn't show them where I was camping. I was like, "If you need anything for like seriously, truly emergency, you can find me." But I swear to God, if you come up to me for some BS, <laughs> we're so mad. I'm like, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You saved us. They slept in the fucking cabin. All like twenty of them. Which was impressive. That was the. It was, it was like there was like fog. They were because they're they all so fucking wet from the rain. Like that cabin was so humid. Oh, I by the end, it was disgusting. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that's the story. Then they all left. Thank God, and they were all pissed at the guy. I felt bad for the guy because he probably didn't ask for it. He probably didn't ask for that job, but he just did it. Yeah, and he probably got shit on the entire time. And was that on the growing trail? No, this was on the this is on the uh, China Poot Lake Trail. This is three miles. It's, all, it's three miles of already. We fixed the trail. <laughs> you couldn't fuck it up. And what you did, and it was so bad. Oh god, it was so frustrating. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate, especially as you know an Eagle Scout yourself. You oh, know, and take... I was like, I was like, you guys are gonna be like calling yourselves Eagle Scouts and shit. There's only one girl here that deserves it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, that's kind of like the you know the first uh, what is it the first graduating class of Space Force, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a rough draft. <laughs> I was like, there's a total of three people enrolled in this program. I, t- I was like, why do they have to be like California, like Southern California? Why do they have to come to Alaska? Like, just own your own territory. Why can't there be like some Wasilla chicks that could kick some ass down here <laughs> for real. And, 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 and just own that shit. And I'll tell you, Boy Scouts in Alaska is a whole different beast too. Because at least in California, at least in California, they have like year round they can they can camp. And the same thing in Arizona when I was a Boy Scout down there too. But here, you don't realize that Boy Scouts only camp in the winter time. They take the summers <laughs> off. They go to summer camp and that's it. That's so cool. I I spent so many winters in the fucking snow, <laughs> <laughs> snow caves. They're, yeah, they're making it's literally making oh, snow yeah. caves, and they're like, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna just go camping. I hope, why are you guys excited? 
it's fucking 20 degrees out, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but by God, you're a goddamn Eagle but Scout. By God, you're going to get your Eagle Scout, and you're going to shut up about it. <laughs> no, that's crazy. So, dude, true question here. As an Eagle true. Scout, like, have you used any, like, what? what's the most... My first day merit badge, I used the shit out of it. <laughs> Every day, baby. Every day. I was just going to say, like, what's the what was the best thing you learned from your days as a Boy Scout? Because I was never a Boy Scout. I, I couldn't get past the, the dress code part of it. Oh, just, I hated it, too. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to quit so many times. I was forced into it. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's not it. even, like, an OD green. It's like if you mixed OD green and, like, beige. You have to, it, I, think, I think it's truly for humility purposes. <laughs> Like, it's just truly to make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> right. And you don't even get, like, the cool cloud of, like, selling Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> yeah, some popcorn and trees. Yeah, yeah. you're like, I got a handkerchief on right now. <laughs> no, no, no disrespect to any Boy Scouts out there. I but, learned, uh, <laughs> I, the most important thing I learned in Boy Scouts, and it's no joke, I learned, I learned a lot about leadership at a very young age. And I'm still not very good at leadership, but my God, that takes so much practice to be good at. It takes so much practice to be good at. And I, when, I, when I was like, I was 14. I went to, I think I went to Denali, and I was the first, one of the first groups to go to this summer camp. And they put us up in crews, and we ended up being in a work crew. It was a two-week experience. And I ended up working with this work crew and having so much ownership over this work crew. I learned so much about how to be a leader, how to treat your crew, how to treat your, the people around you. It, it, it was invaluable, especially for somebody like me who doesn't, didn't, I don't like people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a very large circle of friends, in, in all honesty. I, I maybe know, like, five people that if the world ended I, i'd hope we're still alive it's no. sad <laughs> you know not okay. including my family not including my family but it's true hey, hey, it's, that's all right keep your circle small exactly you know? keep and tabs I, on them and so that was so that was just that was invaluable to me and especially when i was, when I was even younger i knew nothing about leadership i like they, they make you learn so much about it and that was that was nice Oh, that's cool. That's definitely like a dying trait nowadays too, especially because everything's kind of gotten distanced with you know social media and stuff. It's, oh, yeah, you don't sure. get you don't get a ton of like face to face you know interaction, and when you do, it's always kind of you know no eye contact, just kind of like yeah. you know glancing blows of you know interaction. It's you know try and beat around the bush and get around it as quick as possible because this shit's gonna be awkward. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say too, the other thing that was pretty important, and it's it's. Definitely not the lesson they try to teach me, but it was a lesson I learned. Is they, and it, it was an appreciation for the woods, but almost to a negative effect. I remember going out into the woods in the winter, and we would, we would camp for the weekend, and you'd just be sucky. You know, you'd have a little bit of fun, but it was just not fun. Yeah. Uh, and then you go home though, and you'd appreciate everything around you so much more. And it's the importance of having that like that like, yin to your yang. Yeah. It was it was, and I learned that even more when I worked for the park service and spent less time in civilization and more time out in the woods for three months straight. <laughs> I mean, like, I really got to understand that. A lot more uh, yin than yang. A lot more that. yin. Yeah. But man, I, I, yeah, it was, it was so much fun, though, because at the same time, like, I, 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 though I, we hated each other sometimes, that work crew that I was with, we got along just fine, and we, we all understood that we just didn't like society. Yeah, we, we, we just didn't. I mean, you remember when I would come back, I would buy a fucking, I'd buy a bottle of Kirkland tequila, and we would party for six days as best we can and then i'd go back out of the woods and do my woods thing again <laughs> yeah no that was always interesting because you always came back one looking like like a lost puppy a little bit like <laughs> it was definitely it was like kind of like that glazed over like we're back yeah. we gotta f- fill it up really quick like yeah. you know well, it's like I, it's like I haven't talked to i don't know hello hello oh. movie <laughs> 
Mui, say hi to the world. This is uh, the Average Alaskan podcast uh, host dog, uh, Mui. She's a mutt, and she's from Nanwalik. Mui's been Mui. farting next to me the entire uh, Dude, an hour and a half. It's butt. so gross. I've been making faces at Sean. It's so <laughs> I do that. I was catching whiffs of it, and it was right. Oh, my God. God. But, yeah, it's like I didn't talk to anybody for eight days except for Andy and Jordan, and we didn't really talk much except for, like, to the random people that would come by that we just kind of fuck with. Uh, that's fine. That's a whole other thing. But and then you come back and it's like, oh, cool. I have like a whole circle of friends that I need to talk to. And it wasn't a bad thing, but it was like, oh my god, I forgot a lot of this. Yeah, <laughs> there's almost like a a different type of anxiety that comes with that. I get that whenever I leave for deer season because, like, you know, you leave for three months at a time, and you're like trying to, you know send everybody off say bye whatever blah 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 and then you're gone and you get into like you'd put as you're like across the bay mode your woods mode you're doing yeah. your thing you've got your your own purpose you know what you're doing and then when you come back like you said you've got that group of people you have to like check in on you missed a bunch of stuff like when i come back at the end of deer season it's almost like Shit, I gotta see my friend. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. there's like, yeah. you yeah. for, I, I, gotta, I gotta be, I gotta participate in society again. Like, this <laughs> exactly. Is, this is now, this is now an activity I, I, I'm so used to, I used to be so used to it, but now it's like a thing I gotta consciously do. Exactly. You get like disconnected from it. And it's just like one of those, almost like not liability, but uh, just, it's, it's one of those daily tasks that, you know, generally most people will, you know, shoot a text or send a Snapchat or like just reach out and be like, hey, how's it going? How was your day? You want to do something this weekend? You know, and everything's so bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And then you, you know, disassociate from that and go live in the woods for eight days at a time or go live on a boat for, you know, three months. And it's like you come back and it's just the world's almost moving too fast. And you're like, oh, my God, there's. I still have to talk to this person, see what this person's doing, make sure, you know. And you also realize the, that all this, it's all, all optional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, at yeah. first you thought you had to do it, but it's all optional. You don't have to do any of this stuff. Oh, yeah. As long as you can feed yourself, you're good. <laughs> no. And I think that's a really unique, like, aspect of being, like, out in the woods, too, is, like, it really boils the world and life down to really simple structure of eat, sleep, and survive like Stay that's warm, yeah. exactly you you know you make sure you're warm at night make sure you have food to survive make sure you have water and outside of that nothing matters like yeah. like it you know there's certain obligations like when you're working i'm sure you know you had to get so much trail done in a day or you had your objectives you're trying yeah. to get done and same on the boat it's like i gotta you know make sure the clients are taken care of do their thing but outside of that it's like you're just you just got to live. You got to do your thing and you find peace and small, tiny things. Like I remember you picked up like, uh, getting into the harmonica, like (laughs) sitting around the campfire, just like a little, I mean, I I had all every, every guidebook that Audubon made. I made the the wildflower one. I had the bird. I was really into birding back then too. I got to get back into that. But like, just, I, I remember I would come back and I'd be like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I I don't want to do it. And I was, (laughs) I would go out into the spit, which you can look up what the spit is. It's just land. It's a land dock. It's just, you got to Google it. But it, we have a bunch of migratory birds that hang out there, and I would get my black gear on, and I would get my binoculars and go out, bike out in the morning. I would lay down on my back, and I would keep my binoculars on my chest and my guy next to me, and I would just wait for birds to land by me, and I would just, like, slowly stalk these things. And that's how I would spend my mornings. With my bike just ditched somewhere, like a complete socio. Uh, like, <laughs> no, I'm just was, kidding. <laughs> it, was, it was it was great. I I've never been happier. <laughs> no, that's and it's I don't know. That's what the wood like. The woods give you such a good perspective of like 
just the bullshit you put up with in a normal day and the stuff that you'll accept is just like, you have to do this. And it's like, yeah, no, you don't. And it's like, oh, yeah. you, you got to stress about this. There's this thing that might happen on this day that's three months away that has no value to you, but you have to stress about it. And it's like, no, no, you don't. Like, it's it's okay. Like, things are yeah. going to happen if, you know, there, there's going to be consequences to everything you do in life. But you start to realize, like, what the severity of those consequences are. And it's like, if it's you miss this, you miss so-and-so's birthday and, oh, my God, they might be so mad at you for the three minutes yeah. that they realize you're not there. And then guess what? They're not going to remember. They yeah. don't care. Like, as long as you're, you know, treat the people around you nice and, like, that you're not going out of your way to, like, hurt anybody, be, you know, there's yeah. no misintent, no, you know, deliberate you know, misuse of anybody, nothing's bad going to happen to you. And there's just so much more to, like you said, like spending a morning laying out in the slough, waiting for birds to come in. Nothing better to do. Yeah. Most people would be like, why would, why, why would you spend your morning doing that? It's like, what else are you going to do? Whoa, sleep in. It's like, all right, you can sleep in or you can go see a sunrise, go see, like, I remember, uh, what was it? I think it was like, might have been two or three years ago already, but when uh, it was up in Potter's Marsh outside of Anchorage, but uh, there was this like super rare um, Asian bird that got caught on like the jet stream and ended up in Potter's Marsh. And like every birder in the state came out of the woodwork for it. Like you would have thought freaking, you know, Guns N' Roses was in town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The birding community up here is so sweet. It's not even funny. Hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore. And I, I get, I still, I signed up for one. I made the mistake of signing up for an email list. <laughs> and I get emails ever. I think every other day is a list of where these birds are being found and who is finding them and recording them. And then I'll also get alerts if there's a bird like that somewhere in the area and they'll be like, where it's at, the location, so how you get there. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Uh, if you watch the big year, if you watch the, it's called I think it's called the movie. It's called the big year. It's got a uh, Steve Carell in it. Oh, it's the birding movie. Steve I, Carell and mm. Owen Wilson. So, first of all, it's a great movie. And second of all, it's a very accurate representation is what birding people are like. <laughs> <laughs> we flock, we flock together and go do crazy shit to look at a bird. Well, that's my favorite thing. A lot of people don't like give enough respect to the birding community because like the backcountry hunting like world likes to think that they're like the kings of glass of optics like. Bino spotting no. scripts. No, they no. got shit on the birding community. <laughs> I almost dropped. I almost dropped two grand because I get a discount. I almost dropped two grand of Vortex Optics on Vortex Optics just to look at, at birds, birds. Yeah. not even to shoot them. It is fucking awesome. I, 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 I by God, because those fuckers are they're skittish. Oh. That's, the, that's the point. They're like Pokemon, but the Pokemon all fly. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one of them, they all fly away. And, and, the, and don't even be funny, sorry, on tree birds. I'm a master of shorebirds. I can see shorebirds and, and ducks all day long and tell you what they are because they're easy because they can't get very far. Fuck, man. I went tree bird, like tree birding, like walking through the trails. They, you, they'll be, they'll, first of all, they're all brown. <laughs> it's fucking annoying. And, and then they'll, they'll look at you and you like have maybe a millisecond to see what they have, which is why everyone uses cameras now. Cause you have like a millisecond to see what, what's going on with them before they go off somewhere else. It's somewhere else brown. <laughs> and you have to differentiate between, you start seeing shit in the woods. <laughs> No, that's funny. But yeah, it's always my favorite come like, because we have the, uh, what is it? Shorebird Festival. I always want to say Seabird Festival. Shorebird Festival. But at the base of the spit and like, they'll just be lined up on the base of the spit. And it's like, 
swore like a Miata, swore like a Miata, just like tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars Easy. worth of optics down this stretch of road looking at seagulls. Like, no. and, they, and they sell it too there. They're like, there's vendors and shit that they'll sell us stuff there. I'm yeah. like, oh, oh yeah. holy, they're, they sell, there's, a, there's vendors out there now that sell uh, optics that will actually connect to your phone and help you ID birds. Just for birding, it's fucking nuts. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna open up like a pop up optic shop. Come like the week before, Ooh. coming into like the festival. I'm gonna oh, I'll hit That's up like Euro idea. Optics. Be like, hey, I need a dealer account. We're about to make this happen. We're gonna make some money for the two of us off of some seabirds. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's it, and it's so cool because it's everybody is just bent over their tripods, looking through their spotting scopes. At a mud flat, <laughs> and there's a couple birds in it, and it is you would think like the Super Bowl is happening. It is just from someone who's never because like I love looking, especially during deer season, all the different types of ducks. Like birds are gorgeous, but I've never been like I've never stepped foot into that community. So just to see everybody like getting excited, like writing stuff or sketching stuff on notepads, and like you know all this stuff, and I'm like. It's a bird. <laughs> like, what, like, what's going on? And it's just, and they'll be up there at sunrise. And for, like, you know, the entire day, there'll be people that will not leave that spot. And it's just, it's so neat getting to, like, see into that community, like, driving by, going to work and stuff. And you're like, what the? And they're just, I mean, having a ball. And it's, you know. oh, And that shit's hard, too, man. It's so hard. Uh, it's so much fun if you're, like, into that kind of stuff, really just tactile but like the difference between certain birds, like I don't remember. This is gonna be embarrassing. I don't remember. There's a, there's the Eurasian wigeon, and a different. I think it's the American wigeon. I can't remember. Someone's gonna hate me for that. No, nobody's gonna care. Uh, <laughs> Please uh, email in and tell Jake how much you uh, hate him. But the difference between between some of these like subspecies is just like a dot underneath its eye, and you have to identify that from a thousand yards. <laughs> that's why that's why the optics are so fucking good. These old people with like zero ten vision, like they're just like the worst vision in the world. Have these like, like yep, that's well, a blue footed yeah, movie. The craziest, <laughs> the craziest vortex optics, or like these crazy cameras, so they can take a picture of it and then reanalyze it. It's it's Nuts. insane. Yeah, it's insane. And that's why I get so pissed off when I see people walking their dogs. I'm, I'm gonna plug this. Don't walk your dog through the the, uh, the estuary. Where, where like, like the like the critical habitats. habitat area? Because first of all, dogs must be there. That's why it's called a critical habitat. And second of all, I've been looking at that fucking duck for like two hours, <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what the fuck it is. And your dumbass walked walked your fucking dog over there and scared it away. I don't know what its flight pattern looks like, and I I'll watch that shit with my binoculars and just pray it lands, because that fucker will keep going until it's back in Asia where it belongs. <laughs> I don't know if it had a dot under its eye or not. You and, 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 so I, and I'm sitting here with my fucking checklist, and I only have a, a one month span to fucking identify these migrating birds. And your ass just scared the shit off. I'm gonna you be wanted back to here. walk your corgi through the. Uh, I'll be back here at six in the fucking morning, hoping to God it's not another goddamn swan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so does the birding community, because like in the hunting community, there's like the North American slam, the big game slam, the sheep slam. Like there's, you know, if you get all the species, you get a slam. Is there like a birding slam? Like it's if called you, a big year. Oh, and, and that's, that's why I call it that. I think that's what I'm trying, what you're trying to say. Yeah. If you, if you can, it's a checklist for all the North American birds. I believe it's North American. 
If you can, it's a checklist of all the North American birds, and in one year, if you can spot every North American bird, and there is no, there is entirely honor system. Typically, people have cameras. That's why it works out. I was that just way. about to ask that, yeah. like who who vets that out? Can I just be like? Yo, big year. Yeah, there, 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 there is a lot of trust that's involved in that, but I think you, I think you have to have a picture. I think uh, nowadays, I think you have to have a picture. I don't know enough about it. I've never even tried it. I, but you basically have this checklist, and you go all across America looking for these birds, and it, it's a fucking endeavor. I'll tell you what, because a lot of birds that come to the United States are migrating. That's the point of birds; they do that, and so you have only a certain amount of time to to go do this and find this bird. And you better hope to God someone's not walking their fucking corgi <laughs> to the critical wildlife habitat and scares off that fucking snowy owl. You better hope that snowy owl kills it. No. Yeah, no, it, it's it's brutal. It, and that, and awesome. then there's, there's that, and there's also checklists. There's checklists everywhere in every burning community. So there's a Kenai, there's a Kenai Peninsula checklist that I print off like almost every year saying that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complete it this year, and I never fucking do because there's so many brown birds on there that you have to chase down the trees. 18 different chickadees. That you got I'm just not good enough at it. I'm just not – I'm not I, – I took a class on it when I went to college. I, went to, I took a birding class. That's why, that's why I picked this up out, actually. And it was – there's so much to it, so much to bird identification. There's books on this shit. But basically, yeah, it's, it's fun. I recommend it to anybody who's like me who doesn't truly like – Killing shit, but likes the creepy act of stalking. <laughs> <laughs> so like fun, if, you, man. if you want to dress in all black, lay in a ditch and watch things. I'm, 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 like, I'm like a house cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of hunting. I can fish, but I. I my God, do I love the process? <laughs> yeah. Hike there. Yeah. Stalk it. Stalk the shit out of it. I'd be a fucking great hunting guide. Oh. Have you ever thought about getting into like the the whole like running around with a net and catching insects hobby because that looks no man i uh <laughs> no the closest the closest i came to doing any other identification is mushroom hunting oh um, yeah no i got a mycology book for do you really yeah all oh, of alaska's mushrooms shit, we might have to go mushroom hunting there is so many fu- it's it's cool I, I don't even start on that i don't even want to talk about that right now <laughs> uh there's a guy on youtube that does talks about mushroom hunting and i think it's called um uh, don't fucking eat that. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that? Oh, you know have I you have. seen that? Yeah. He's like, he's like talking about it. He's so fucking funny. He's so humble. He's like talking about all these different mushrooms. He's like, he's like, I might not be a professional of mushroom identification, but I'm a professional. I'm an expert at not fucking eating them. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the story of our moose season this year. We saw a total of like four moose, but, uh, about a thousand of what king belitos oh yeah but never once were we confident enough that it was a king belito to pick it and <laughs> eat that, it man. i'm so good mushrooms are so damn poisonous it's not even funny i i chelsea when she worked at the hospital had like a uh, there was a patient at one point in time that ate some form of alaskan mushroom that was so poisonous that she had a 50 50 shot of dying that was that, there was that was a flat out that was a flat out statistic the doc gave her and told her to go home <laughs> We will see you in the morning, yeah, or we will not. Yeah, you may die tonight. Like, I'm sorry to say, you shouldn't have eaten that fucking mushroom. No, those, mushrooms yeah. are the craziest thing. They're just, they're just like these little aliens that live in the dirt. That, for no reason whatsoever, they're just like, I'm a sprout right here. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I'm alive for two days, drop my shit, die later. Deco- like, and the, th- the thing that trips me up about them is they're decomposers. Like, they, they're there to break stuff down. But then they die. Like, is it just another mushroom that like does that, or the fuck? Like, <laughs> like where's that? This the like infinite electricity loop. Like, where, where, you're gonna have to read that book. Where's the start and the finish of that process? 
But yeah. no, we've got a ton of mushrooms up here too, and a ton of like. So I mean, many. shoot, when we had the big funny river fire, so uh, many mushrooms after that. Oh yeah, the morels were crazy. Shit. I remember uh, Levi's younger brother uh, Eli. He'd go up there and he'd he'd harvest like hundred pounds a day. Really? And yeah, and he'd go out on the road and sell like forty bucks a pound. <laughs> and oh <my> like, <laughs> and yeah. people would buy them, and it they were just everywhere because I mean that that fire torched the peninsula, just tore it up, and yeah. morels. They're like mm, fire. Oh, yeah. We like fire. It's the only <laughs> saving good. grace to that fire is the fact that we have we have another species of something that's going to just eat the shit out of it, except for um, except for spruce beetles. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. The pine. All right. I think you're right. The spruce the, beetles. The, yeah. The pine, oh my god. I, no, I, know this. I have a book on on plant about tree diseases too. Do you know that? <laughs> Jake, you need better hobbies. I know. No, just kidding. So, no, I, no, never I change. To, I, used to, I used to cut trees down, and when like you cut a tree down, and half of it's fucking rotten on the inside, you start to develop an inclination to learn what the fuck's wrong. Because boy, that almost killed you. <laughs> How can I identify this in the future so I don't get surprised? Your chainsaw's going like like one mile per hour, and all of a sudden you hit rotten wood. Just, you're all the way through. All of a sudden, this twenty foot fucking statue is coming down on top of you. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, you've had a you've had a quite a eclectic uh, career path for a portion so, there. You I'm were like so good at tree cutting, but I hate cutting trees. <laughs> <laughs> you were arborist for a while. A you were a fat hippie, almost a pilot for a <laughs> oh, bit. Yeah. I've done, I've done, I, I've tasted everything that it is to be in Alaska, doing Alaskan career, except for guiding hunting. Yeah, I tasted it all. I, I still love tree cutting too, but I, I'm such a fucking hippie. I feel so bad when I cut a tree down lower than me, <laughs> uh, unless I have to. Again, back to the tree diseases thing. Unless I have to, I, I, I don't fucking do it. I, I flat out refuse. I've done jobs when I did field mitigation. People would ask me to cut some trees down for them for like a view or something like that, and I refused. I'm like. You can do that shit yourself. This is yeah. this tree is older than you and your fucking. That's the thing that kills. Like, <laughs> like I have no issue cutting a tree down, but you definitely. There's no way to not feel guilt about it. You're like, yeah. thirty seconds, and you're like, that thing was like eighty years old. Yeah. Ah. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, any, any, tr- any tree that requires requires anything l- larger than an electric saw is so fucking old that you couldn't even fathom what life was like back then. Yeah, like, like it, it, it's insane. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think the oldest trees I ever cut down before were uh, upwards of a hundred years old. Like I've cut some massive ponderosas down cause I had to. Yeah. And it was just like, I feel so fucking bad. Like it, this, this, this was, this was here long before there were people living here. Oh yeah. I've gotten, I've come to the point where I kind of get some remorse whenever we catch a uh, big yellow eye rockfish cause they're extremely slow growing. They grow. Uh, they max out at about like 35 to 38 inches. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of, the way the Alaska like fishing game, I'll kind of put it as they'll grow up to be about, I believe in the regs, they say 36 inches max and they'll grow to be 112 years old. Wow. I but, didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh, they estimate the state record caught down in Sitka. Uh, I think it was like six years ago or so, but they estimated it at like upwards of 200 years old, just an absolute behemoth. Like, oh my God. like all the reg books are like, yeah, they get up to like 36 inches is about the biggest they grow. And this one was like 48, just an absolute oh. bathtub of a yellow eye rockfish. I, I, it's just like, I, I understand I'll eat, I'll eat wild game all day long and I'll eat fish all day long. But like, how can you hold that and smile? Like I hate to yeah. be that fucking guy, but it's just like, man, that I would feel so fucking bad. I would, I put that shit. It'd be like shooting an albino, albino moose. There's yeah. just something spiritual about that. that you, you just fucked with that. You didn't really, it's just a little squirrely. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt super because I caught the biggest yellow eye of my life and probably the biggest one I'll ever catch. And it was 35 inches, just an absolute 
tub. And at the time, like, you know, I knew it was a just a trophy, an absolute stud, but like it didn't like really connect. And I was looking into it afterwards because I was like, man, that is just like, I was like, that is by far the biggest yellow eye I've ever, you know, seen and especially caught. And started looking into it, and it was, you know, 35 inches. They say they max out at, like, 36. And, like I said, I think the world record was at, like, 48, which was substantially, like, you know, twice twice the age of an average rockfish or twice the age of the maximum lifespan of a rockfish. And um, and afterwards, I just kind of, like, you get that, like, remorse where you're like, what, you know? Granted, he probably wouldn't have survived. He was, you know, whatever they call it when they – uh throw their stomachs out their mouths due to the pressure change. But I was just like, man, like that's, that's like that thing yeah. was close, you know, probably well over 80 years old, probably, you know, close to a hundred years old. And it's like for, for, you know, two dinners, like, and it's just like, yeah. and I have no issue, you know, you know, killing big game, killing fish and stuff like that. But there's always going to be, you know, at no point are you ever like, whoa killed that thing like yeah, it's right. never you know yeah. you never have that feeling especially when you like think about it you're like that thing was five times as old as i am you know yeah. or like that thing was you know that was around pre-world war one yeah, like this was still russia's like yeah yeah. yeah yeah this alaska didn't even think about being a state in the united states when this fish was swimming down here like it's just like yeah whoa <laughs> yeah it's nuts no, it makes you think about stuff a little bit but. that's what I, that's what i like about it's weird that's what i like about bear hunting Across the bay, especially like I mean, if you look at the stats, bear hunting across the bay, you're never you're only going to shoot either bears at the end of their life, like ten years or something like that, or you're going to shoot them basically when they're basically just barely legal. Yeah, you'll never catch them in that prime year because they just get away. Yeah, at least at least that's what I, that's what I've been seeing, mm-hmm. and that's what's so nice about it. Like they, they have no issue breeding; they're 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 pretty. They've been holding up really well, and you only the only time you're even really able to make that mistake is if you fucking try. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like there's very little regret in bear hunting no they've got uh i always throw this statistic out there i have no clue if it's true but I'm, <laughs> why not I'm like it's your it's, podcast exactly right Sorry, fuck <laughs> <laughs> this is my gospel and i'm telling the truth baby <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh the kenai mountains from my knowledge my brain my gospel Fuck everybody else, though. But uh, it has the densest black bear population in the world. Like, really? that mountain range over there, just a ton of black bears. And it's such an underutilized resource over there. Because there's people who hunt it. There's a decent amount of people who hunt it. But for, I mean, there's more black bears in that mountain range than 90% of the states in the United States. Like, I believe they estimate the national uh, like number of black bears to be just under 300,000. The state of Alaska has 100,000 of those, and most of them are south-central, southeastern Alaska. Get up, you know, they've got tons of them up in Fairbanks area, but once you get, like, real western Alaska, real north, they start to peter off. But, like, we've got, I mean, more black bears in this mountain range across the bay than most of the states in the United States. And, I mean, I mentioned it, I think, last week's episode. There was a day we were over there, saw 28 bears in a day, just, like, from the boat. Just glass in the hillside, bear, bear, bear. And just healthy, big, gorgeous jet black bears. And there's maybe a handful of people who go over there and hunt them. And most of the ones that do hunt from their boat, they just kind of cruise the beaches, try and get something off the beach. And those bears 
just live the life of luxury. Oh, just yeah. salmon, berries, nothing to worry about. Very small brown bear population over there. They're just chilling. I think they're also kind of, uh, I think the reason why they're kind of like that too is they're also kind of a bitch to hunt. Not necessarily a bitch to hunt, but like compared to everything else, why would you go across the bay, hike out, and try to shoot a black bear when you could stay not across the bay yeah and go shoot anything else <laughs> no i've always i've always stood by they're kind of the redheaded stepchild of all western hunting and especially in alaska like yeah. you can go shoot caribou moose brown bear sheep goat deer elk black bear <laughs> like yeah. you know they're yeah, always yeah. they're always kind of brought up last but it's uh there's some neat reads about back uh, when we were first exploring the West and coming out here. Like, you know, black bear was kind of like the prize meat to be had. Like people would hunt deer for their hides and yeah. their use. And then they'd hunt black bears to eat, to, you know, render down their fat, use their fat for oils, cooking oils, um, greasing your boots, your gloves, you know, maintaining that type of stuff. And they had a lot more value then. And I feel like now there's always, there's been a movement towards different big games for, you know, culinary purposes. And I think a lot of that has to do with like trigonosis in bears. You have to cook them to internal temperature of, I believe 165 degrees um, minimum. You can cook them lower temperatures than that. As long as you expand the time frame that you cook them at, but they always have that risk. Plus I think it's just kind of like anytime you're eating a carnivore, people just kind of like, it's a little stigmatized. Exactly. It's hard to wrap your head around. Like it's, kind of, and it's kind of fair too. Like, like, like there's, a, there's like a pre- preservation stigma when it comes to hunting car- carnivores because it's like you could, you could eat something else for less, you know. Like, yeah. But the black bear, I, I'll tell you now, like black bear are so much more bountiful over here than than, than moose. I in my in my I, I never I was across the bay almost the entire summer. Like I, even my days off, I would spend some time across the bay, and I I saw so many bear. I saw one set of moose tracks and it was, it was the biggest set of moose tracks I've ever seen in my life, but it was like a spirit walked through our camp. Cause we never heard it, never saw it, nothing. Yeah. But you go come over this side, you see like moose everywhere. Just kind of just being dumb. No bear. <laughs> yeah. No bear, like the bear over there. They're just, they're, it's so cool. And it's just a neat animal. It's a springtime hunt. Like most people, you, usually not doing stuff you might be getting out and hiking but it's just it's a cool opportunity over there that time period and plus uh i'd love to just have like a black bear pelt like a really nice one yeah. like <laughs> just like draped over the couch just aside right they're good I, I, a black black bear burger is, is stupid oh, good yeah. really? well, the fat yeah. so many purposes yeah. so many Oh, well, I don't want to eat up any more of your evening. We've been sitting and chit chatting, enjoying, but uh, appreciate you being our uh, first official guest. Yeah, suck it, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> Be number one. No, we'll definitely have to get you back on, and hopefully, we can plan some uh, skiing trips this Please. this winter. I'll Please. get some new skis. We'll go do some backcountry stuff. Get that knocked out, and yeah. enjoy. Uh, before we get off of here, uh, y'all have any uh, last-minute New Year's resolutions you want to put on tape to actually hold yourself accountable? <laughs> <laughs> That's go, what go backcountry skiing. There, there we go. Well, thank you guys for listening again. I hope you're still listening. But uh, like always, if you want to reach us, you can uh, message us on Instagram at Michael underscore Swoboda, Sean underscore Louvre, L-U-V. Uh, Jake, want to throw any uh, anything out there? I don't have an Instagram. 
don't try to talk to me. <laughs> Jake, Jake's a recluse. I'll, but, I'll, uh, I'll see. I'll see you in the woods. If you got any uh, birding questions, mushroom questions, you yeah. can email the podcast at average Alaskan podcast at yahoo.com and I'll uh, forward those over to Jake and uh, we'll get those answered for you. But <laughs> if you guys got any questions for the podcast, uh, that you'd want us to answer anything that you'd like us to go over at any point, any episode suggestions, any people you'd like to hear from, let us know. Like I said, you can reach us on Instagram or at the email. But until then, let's have a good time. Enjoy 2022. Let's not let it be like the last two years of mediocrity. Go out there. Do something excited. Exciting. Nice. You know, we, we talk real good like. <laughs> here on the podcast after a couple drinks but go out stay warm enjoy the outdoors and stay average have a good one guys